I'm Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Hello there, sailor. This is Sorry You're In My Seat. Each week we take on a different movie topic or theme, and this week, James, my spider senses are tingling, my arachnads are feeling good. I applaud you for the use of arachnids. That was brilliant. Well done, sir. We've peaked. <laughs> what you're going to hear next is up to 90, maybe two hours of, of two nerds geeking out over a franchise that we, we can thank for the golden era of uh, superhero films that we're watching now. A particular favourite hero of mine, maybe my top one. Do you know what? I think every aspect of your childhood, he's, he's inserted himself in there. Games, mm. comics. I was always a big fan of the animated TV series. Oh, and then we got the films. We've got some goods, mate. We went up. We, we went up. Well, we then came down. We, there's some downs. We then were down. But it's come back up. It has come back up. Mate, we, look at this. I'm so excited to be talking about this with you. And for those who don't know, because it's probably the title of the episode, we're going to look at Spider-Man. The Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco original trilogy. Yeah, so the, we're from 2002. The early days. The catalyst for so many films that we have now our love for and our fascination for superheroes for comic adaptations for stanley cameos a lot of this originated uh, or at least was rejuvenated because of the 2002 movie spider-man it, a film that i remember clear as day going to the cinema to watch that film i remember the hype of going to watch that film I saw it on, do you know what? I always remember the first film as well. I saw it on a boat. It was the first movie I'd ever seen on a boat. I was, a going, boat. To, I was going to Ireland, I believe. And it was just like, I've never been, to the, never been to a cinema on a boat. It was crazy. I saw Prometheus on a boat. Did you wish that boat had drowned? <laughs> yes. There was a part of me that was like, I really need to watch this when I'm not swaying. <laughs> and I'm not case, drunk. In case that helps. <laughs> it didn't. It uh, didn't help. I imagine. <laughs> Mate, if it helps, I saw it without swaying and that was fucking off the chain, that film. Um... I can't wait. I mean, we had X-Men before we had Superman. We did. We also uh, had... Spider-Man, sorry. We also had Blade. But and Joel Schumacher had destroyed Batman. Yeah, but by that time he had dragged his corpse through the camp 90s, which is a really weird sentence. But this is it. Mm. This is this is probably the one rejuvenated interest. Bad guys, different. Storyline's different. It was it was unique. It was different. Mm. But now, the granddaddy of them all. Kind of mm. like the blueprint of what we watch now bit of a godfather it's before the mcu before multiverses before the dc got dark and gritty we had spider-man which was bright it was fun it was playful it was aimed at its core to satisfy the diehards um comic book fans it was also there to introduce new people to comic books and to these characters and also it was a film to reunite a broken world at the time with his post yeah. 9-11 um Famous that we're going to talk about, yeah. I would have thought, when it comes to talking about Spider-Man. So, I mean, let's 
let's go straight into this. I mean, spoilers, the films did come out ages ago, but we are going to look at the trilogy. We're going to talk about plots. We're going to talk about endings. We're going to talk about all of that stuff. So you haven't seen any of the movies. Um, probably not the best one. For the last like 20 years. Wow, people have been busy, James. Um, <laughs> not in the last year. <laughs> but uh, before we do all that housekeeping, don't forget to subscribe. You'll get a new episode each and every week. And if you like this episode, don't forget to leave us a review um, and tell your friends, share on social media. It'll be absolutely great to help the little podcast that keeps trying. Oh, to find its feet. It's your little neighborhood podcast. Yeah. Friendly. Well, <laughs> we'll bite as well. Go. We bite. Um, disease. <laughs> so Spider-Man 2002, as I said, I remember going to the cinema to watch this movie. I must have, well, I would have been 14, I think, when this film came out. Yeah. So I was at that age of going on my own, I think. Um, perfect age as well to see a film like this. Biggest grossing uh, opening weekend of all time, Spider-Man. Seriously? Mm. Wow, that's, that's of some record. Huge budget, but also uh, one of the biggest opening weekends of all time. Um, Do you remember the trailer? I believe they hyped this on film for nearly a year. Well, also, also I was I was a music fan. I still am a music fan. And uh, so TV channels like Krang, Scuzz, The Box, all these kind of things. And there was a Chad Kroger Nickelback song yeah, there was. for the first one. That hero song. So I'd seen like the, I'd seen, you know, shots for it, you know, as, as kind of like a trailer. I think Sun 41 did the song Jesus for the second Christ. one. <laughs> That's a fucking pull. I think they did. And I think they had... Avril Lavigne on the third one. I, <laughs> Snow Patrol were at the end of the third one. So they're to blame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's go with this, this deep dive. For me... So the Spider-Man movie, I remember, and my opinion now has not changed. I loved it the first time I watched it. I loved it re-watching it this week. It's fun. It's playful. It has nods to Superman. It has nods to Pantomime. It has nods to Power Rangers. It is the perfect movie. I, I, I don't know. If someone's young now, you know, 14, going back to visit this movie, yeah, some of the graphics are probably dated. Yes, it probably doesn't hold up to some of the movies that we've got now, like Endgame and Infinity War and in Civil War and, and and what have you. But boil it down to, it's an origin story as well. Like, you, mm. everyone can fall in love with Endgame, but you have to watch 21 films to watch, you know, to truly understand it. We've got an origin story. We've mm. got we've got what's actually true to the storyline as well. Peter Parker, a nerd in high school, photographer, not well liked, got one good friend. He's only like the son of the richest man in New York. You know, Harry Osborn is his only friend, but he's kind of cool. But Pete Parker's a nobody, mate. And just so happens that on a school trip, he gets bitten by a radioactive spider, develops powers, the rest is history. Boom, you're done. And it, I thought it was really well put. I'm with I'm with you. There's some choices that don't stick with it, but off the bat, what a great start. Mm. It's simple, easy to know. The uh, character's Aunt May and Uncle Ben. He always makes me talk because I'm a rice man. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, I always thought they were great choices. But do you know what's best about this film? Is this film sums up its plotline in with great power comes great responsibility. And the thing is, no film has ever been able to top that saying because every superhero has that mission, but every film tries to say it a bit differently. But it's a shame because in the first film, they fucking nailed it. Yeah, and, and as a trilogy, if you look at it as a trilogy, um, we're going to talk about the fourth movie that was never made, but certainly as a trilogy, that... That saying, that 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 slogan carries through the arc of the three movies. Great power comes great responsibility. I, I love Toby. Let's start with Toby Maguire. Let's start with the Tobes. I think he's start with the Tobes. fantastic. Like, he's a great Pete Parker because he is an affable idiot. Like he's he's kind of lunging around. He's sweet. He is sweet. He's Peter Parker. You know, he can't catch the bus. Do he's, I? He's the boy next door. 
you know, he's the one that you forget about. But, and ultimately he's also the right kind of nerd that could be like a cool superhero mm. wearing a mask. He's got a good voice as well. Like, so obviously a lot of his work as in the, you know, in the costume, you know, he's, he's, he's got to have that wit about him. And I think he pulls both sides of it off. I, I was always, I'll tell you right now, I think Tom Holland's great as, as Spider-Man. I think Andy Garfield was a good Spider-Man, but not a great Peter Parker. Yeah. And I always thought Tobey Maguire was an awesome Peter Parker and a, and a good Superman, uh, Spider-Man. And it was uh, more to the effects that kind of date this movie. I think he's a really good Peter Parker. I think he's Spider-Man, but that's, I don't blame him. Mm. I, I, we'll get into that. I think he's great, great cast. It's, it's a shame. He's one of them characters, he's one of them actors that you don't see a lot of now. And I think it's because he's cursed by looking a lot younger than what he is. But I, God, I hope Michael the rumors Cera are true. Disease. Yeah, Michael Cera, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really hope he does. He is in the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, the rumors abound, aren't there? Yeah, well, uh, Alfred Molina's uh, signed on, uh, signed on, and he's leaked, hasn't he? That he's in. Yeah, Charlie Cox has apparently been seen on set. Yeah, that. Charlie Cox is appearing in two, isn't he? He's going to be in the She-Hulk series as well. Oh, is he? Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, and obviously we know J.K. Simmons, who we will get on to. Yes, we will. We we know because obviously he was he was the end credit scene in the last one. But um, Tobey Maguire is awesome. I'm a big Tobey Maguire fan. I wish we saw more of him. I think a veteran of the whole film, of the whole trilogy, Kirsten Dunst. I like Kirsten Dunst's performance. I detest the character of Mary Jane we are gonna, in this We're going to differ film. very significantly then. Because, I think she's so really well fleshed out character. Right, so my problem, my problem is, right, so we'll go even deeper now. Spider-Man to you growing up, what is it to you? So to me, there was a game on the PlayStation, it was called The Amazing Spider-Man, voiced by, uh, I believe Stanley did the narration, it was really cool. There was a load of characters, loads of crossovers. Um, you get framed. There's a sim- the symbiote carnage is at the end, like latched onto Doc Ock. It's a brilliant game. It's absolutely brilliant. You tame up with Venom at one point. An amazing game. And it was a crime series on Fox Kids. Mm. And it was, I think it was called The Amazing Spider-Man. And it was brilliant. And Mary Jane Watson does not care. She doesn't need rescuing. And I do feel that the Mary Jane Watson in these TV series, uh, in these film series, just exists to be rescued a lot of the times. And it does wind up because not my Mary Jane Watson. Because my Mary Jane Watson would kick ass and take names, and they, she really doesn't in this. I get, I get but, that, but and that's it's... fine for the first film, and I don't have a problem with that because you're relaunching something. Mm. You need something, so I'm not going to have a go at the first one for that. Yeah, I mean that that so that that reoccurs in all three movies. In all three movies, the end scene is Mary Jane Watson stuck by the villain and Somewhere. being used as bait. <laughs> <laughs> and and in the first one it makes sense. In the second one, it's it's guilty by association because Doc Ock doesn't actually know who he's got as a prisoner. Yep. The third one, it's just embarrassing. It's like, <laughs> how are we doing this again for the third time? Yeah, why not? <laughs> but there's a lot about Kirsten Dunst's character that I fucking really think she pulls off really well. I think the whole first movie, which is a two-hour movie, what it does brilliantly is pacing. And it gives you believable characters that feel fleshed out that as an audience member, you really get their motives or you get their understanding or you can associate to. And I think because I was 14 at the time, maybe that's why I latched onto it. Um, you know, maybe people at that, that age did. But I, I think Kirsten Dunst, you know, all them things about like, so she comes from a, a broken family. The dad's, yeah. dad, we get the, the idea that he's somewhat abusive. There are scenes where she leaves the house crying, but then her friends come and she puts on the face, the Mary Jane face, yeah. you know, and but, and then she's falling into a similar trap because she's with the bully, you know, so she's almost kind of following in that footsteps. She's also a dreamer as well. She dreams of like the- well, She has the American dream yeah. and she, and you know, and you have this idea that then she gets with someone who is the American hero or at least New York's hero. And I, I think Kirsten Dunst carries 
she she does that thing really well of you can, her face tells a thousand words and there are lots of opportunities throughout the three films including the third one where she doesn't have to say anything she just the look in her eyes and I think well done Kirsten Dunst a brilliant performance across the three movies I think she's very good don't get me wrong I do think the character's hamstrung by what we call Hollywood writing they don't want to get too complicated it's, it's the same you could say there's a lot of tropes and it seems to be like it was her idea to be saved. I really don't like that because Mary Jane Watson was an ass kicker in my head and she doesn't kick as much ass. Mm. However, for the first film, trying something new, you can understand great chemistry with Tobey Maguire. Great chemistry with Franco as well. Mm. I think, yeah, I mean, when you look at it now and, and maybe that, I think you're on a brilliant point and, and I think hopefully it's a testament to cinema now so that I, when you've got a character like Zendaya. I was literally going to say, so that's in there. She don't take no shit. She don't invest yeah. in She works out herself. She's like, no, I'm an ass kicker. That's my Mary Jane Watson. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 okay. I'll agree with your point, but I, I won't take anything away from Kirsten Dunst, who no. I will be honest, Ooh, yeah. mega crush on yeah, when I was growing did. up. So I will, I will, I will stick to this one. Um, uh, James Franco as oh, Harry go. Osborne. Bro Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> so James Franco is a weird character because I mean, in real life, I know there's a lot going on with him and I don't know what is true, what speculation. There's a lot of accusations against him. Oh, is there? Yeah. He's on late to the party again. But I'm, I'm, we're not here to go into those those things. You know, I'm certainly not here to celebrate those things. But so someone might be listening to this being, well, that's bad taste. Because we're just he's, talking about yeah. performance. In, so purely his performance. It, it is very odd. It works very well in the first one because you, I do believe he, he has the face and the charm of the, the, the richest man in New York's son. Yeah. <laughs> like he feels that smug. But also, well, he, he chooses to be friends with the nerd and I quite like that dynamic. I quite like that, but also he should, he should be nerdier. Why isn't, why isn't Harry Osborne the coolest kid in school? He's the richest person. He's, he looks like James Franco. He's a good looking kid. You know, he tries to charm the, the ladies at the beginning scene. doesn't work. He's like, but it, but it would. Mm. Why wouldn't it? But however, that's the story. That's staying true to the storyline. So I, I'm yeah, fine with that. <laughs> I, I, I quite like his position as the best friend, also the love triangle, also the 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 son of a man who clearly wanted to, uh, Peter Parker as his son. Yep. <laughs> you know, and doesn't even hide it, does he? <laughs> no, but that, this whole film is full of that. So you've got nerdy kid in love with the bully's girl who has, as I've already mentioned, has fallen for the bully and doesn't realise that her dad's in them similarities. You've Old got Flash. Kid raised by extended family with, um, you know, the aunt and uncle. You've got father and son dispute. You've got surrogate son relationship. You've got best friends with a love of interest, but you've also got competing best friends. The, the characters and the stories are really good in this first movie. And I think to get all of that stuff in, in two hours is amazing. I Take taste. note, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> Your time will come. Uh, let's let's be honest, pacing on this is brilliant. Yeah. The pacing of this. Is, so what you've just kind of described, we were introduced to every character within the first 15 minutes. Mm. And then they all go on their various storylines and they all interlink and then you get to big finale. What's brilliant is they're quick, snappy, relatable. Mm. There's no, you don't have to have 20 minutes finding out who someone is. It's just like, we meet Harry Osborne. They're both called Harry Osborne, aren't they? Yeah, it's Harry, it's Junior. Norman. I was not, sorry, Norman. We meet Norman Osborne coming to give his son a bag and that's how he meets Peter Parker. Mm. In, within like 30 seconds, he's like, oh, you're an amazing kid. Yeah, somewhat <laughs> of a scientist myself. <laughs> yeah, there you, you can't go. forget that Spider-Man 1 gave way to so many memes and gifts. In fact, all of the Spider-Man has, all the different incarnations, but particularly that first movie, particularly <laughs> William Defoe. <laughs> I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking brilliant. I'm something of a scientist myself. Now, are we on to him? Are we on to uh, 
his performance? I, I ju- or are just, you keeping it? No, I, I think um, just just going back on the point of all them themes, I think that's why this movie, this first movie, is so good. Is that you latch on to Peter Parker, not Spider Man. You when you watch this movie, or certainly when I did. I didn't look up to the screen and think like, like, you know, that I could associate with the web slinging superhero that's, you know, going building to building. I was like, there's so much in Peter Parker that I can connect to, you know, the, the love interest, that time of your life, your best friend, you know, the, the, the kind of the being dirt ass broke, <laughs> you know, all the things about Peter Parker, he's really relatable. Um, and then the added element of, of him becoming Spider-Man, then you as an audience member, or certainly me as a young impressionable audience member was like, well, I can do great things then. I'm probably not going to do that, but I can do something. <laughs> I can go out and roll in spiders. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. Can I just point out though, you know, we're talking about some great cast, some great characters, historic characters. Mm. I think that the character that doesn't get enough praise is the head of the research facility who, who, quite clearly cannot see that a precious spider has in fact mm. gone missing and in fact can't be asked to look. Yeah. So these are the ones we're fucking about with. <laughs> and it's like, like oh, there's 14 of them. There's 13. Moving on. Probably. It's probably <laughs> gone to the lab. You'd think that you'd think that, that would get signed out, yeah. wouldn't you? <laughs> just, <laughs> for anyone at work, I have to sign out a key. Yeah. It's just like this radioactive spider. Fucking joke. I, I do I do love that whole like scene where they go to the... I don't know, the Spider Museum? I don't know what this is. The Spider Museum. The Science Laboratory. <laughs> and They're so open as well with their genetic modifications. When I went to the museum, I saw like like a mummy that was mm. come from a movie set. There it's like, oh, these spiders will change the world that we live in. Yeah. Brilliant. And it does show you like, it, I love this whole scene because it's like, okay, this could, there could be someone in the audience who's never seen a spider before. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is a spider and it can jump. This is a spider. <laughs> this has a web that's very strong. And, it, and imagine if we put all of them into one thing and then it bites Peter. MVP in this scene though is the teacher. Yeah. Who does not lose his call. Doesn't lose but his But he's call. like, I'm about to lose my shit though. Detention. Mate. The amount of times he comes over, he's like, what are you two talking about? It just... I, I, I'll always remember that guy. I don't know what his name is. I don't even know what the teacher he plays is, but I'll always remember that guy. Great, great educator. He mm. wanted his kids to learn. And you get a bit of playful bants between Kirsten Dunst and this bit and Tobey Maguire where they start to, you know, the... the Take a photo. Yeah, the, 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 the planting the seed of their relationship. What I don't understand about this is though, they've been, they've been neighbours for a very long time. You would have thought there'd be something there. Mm. You're not that rude. I mean, I don't like my neighbours, but I still, I still know who they are. Anyway. William Defoe campaigned for this part. And rightly so. I think this might be the best casting. Well, I, I still maintain that the Green Goblin is a fantastic villain. And I still, mm. so I always thought, now this is going ahead of it, Marvel has never really had good villains. Spider-Man's got great villains. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm talking about the cinematic universe. You know, they, they only ever last one film. William Defoe's turn as the Green Goblin. His acting is phenomenal because he... He golems it, mate. The best scenes that you'll ever have are when he's talking to a mirror and his face will snarl and like change. You know, he'll be he'll be weak and timid as Norman, mm. and he'll be like like kind of like a useless man. He's like begging, and then like looks in the mirror and there's this snarled, contorted face of the goblin looking back at him, telling him what he needs to do. It's like that's fantastic. That, yeah. As a as a teenager, that made my skin crawl. I'm rewatching it. I was like. That's very good. I forgot how good he was. And you can tell, you can tell Sam Raimi comes from a horror background or at least has an interest in horror. You've got themes of Jekyll and Hyde in this movie. Yeah. In the second one, which we'll get to, the Doc Ock uh, operating table scene is a straight up horror. Mate, I can't wait to talk about that. In the third film, you know, when you've got the, you know, the bells and the, you know, when Spider-Man's ripping off the black suit, it, do, it does have these like moments of horror throughout of all of them. And I think William Defoe. 
is great at having fun. Yeah, it's a bit pantomime at times. And what I like I is... It works. What I like is it could very easily have cut from like, you know, mirror shot to peer, you know, you know, POV mirror to um, single shot of Norman. But yeah. what, what I like is you get the over the shoulder. So you can see that William Defoe, the real one, not the reflection, is doing those things. So it's not in his head. It, you know, he is that person. And it's, it's great fun. It's great image. It, though the character of Green Goblin does confuse me slightly. So he's a, he's, of, of course, it's a comic book movie. So he's an arms, he's an arms manufacturer. He's trying to get a big contract with the government because they fucking always are. Yeah. He's coming up with a, like a little version of a super soldier pill. A prototype. Yeah, so so he's taking this gas, which is supposed to increase muscle mass, aggression, which apparently this is a good thing. He got himself a glider, mate. You know, that's pretty cool. That is cool. I think the mistake might have been the suit and the mask. <laughs> <laughs> because <'cause> what? <laughs> What's that about? I could just see soldiers riding into battle. <laughs> Just with that, that mask. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going for, Bill? I, I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, so the weird way around that is, is that when you see the glider suit prototype in his lab, the the guy isn't wearing the mask. He isn't because I think you're supposed to be like he made the mask. And the, yeah, and then later in Osborne's office, you see all the masks, which means he's, he's got a fetish for masks. And maybe in his spare time, he got the paper mache out and was like, "Fuck it, I'll put together this <laughs> goblin look. This will be fucking great at Halloween." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking spooked the shit out of Harry. It's going to be awesome. It, it is a bit odd, isn't it? It's I, They certainly try to rectify that in the third movie with uh, Hobgoblin part two. Oh, fucking bullshit. But <laughs> Defoe, I mean, so I'm reading a lot about this this week, about Defoe uh, campaigning to be the role. Because he still wasn't the first choice. They wanted Nick Cage. Yeah. Imagine that. <sighs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> You can't. There's, there's some things you can't unsee, James. He would have James. eaten the mirror, mate. He would have eaten it. <laughs> it would have been a normal Nick Cage in the mirror. <laughs> trying to talk him down. <laughs> it would have been the other way. He would have gone in the gas chamber and come out normal. I think the... Um, I, I, Sorry. But he also uh, worked with the costume designer to modify the suit so he could yes. do all his own stunts. And I, I think, think that's the majority of them. Because he said that he, he didn't trust a stunt actor to do the movements, which, mm. I, which I agree with because even scenes... Later, when he's on the glider and you don't, uh, he like bombs the owners of the company. Mm. He moves on the glider. Like, I know it sounds really weird talking about the movement of an actor, but it was very good. It was very what I imagine the Green Goblin would move like. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, d I don't know enough about, because um, I don't, I didn't read comic books growing up and I didn't necessarily watch the cartoons, but not because I didn't want to, just because in my house, there was, I was one of four kids. You fought for the remote. You mate, and you weren't the oldest, were you? No, I wasn't. Which, which means. Nah, bitch, you got the leftovers. So I think uh, I, di I didn't grow up knowing a lot of the villains. I don't know whether Green Goblin is a good... Considering that they went to it as well with the Andy Garfield one. I think Green Goblin, is, because it's the relationship he has, because his friend growing up, the mm. two nerds are Harry, and I believe there is there is a surrogate father element with... Uh, Norman. Norman. I just... Do you know what? I think it was the right choice. I remember a friend of mine, uh, at, when it first came out of secondary school, was just like, they, they hated... They wanted the mask. They didn't want the mask because the idea is that he changes with the, you know, it's a physical change in the mm. face. And he was like, he hated the idea of a mechanical mask. But I think it was the only way it worked. I, I think it had to be a mechanical mask because I think it, CGI wasn't there. And also it's stupid. If you look at the Amazing Spider-Man 2, it, I don't think it works. I think the mask was the right choice. I think Hobgoblin was a good choice as well. And the cackle. The cackle's the good. The cackle's amazing. It's mm. one of the best cackles up there. It's one of the, it's... You, if you remember Spider-Man 2002 for anything, it, to me it's the cackle. Mm. But I'll tell you what this film is littered with, and it's an homage, it's, it's littered with films from the comic book series. 
get you later, Spider-Man. That does not sound badass. Mm. On the page, it does. But when he's riding away in his little scooter, no. <laughs> You're bouncing off like balloons in the sky. No. There, there are, there, yeah, there are, there are some... Um, some questionable comments from Spider-Man as well, isn't there? In this in this movie, like I know he's supposed to be witty and when he's got the mask on, but you know, like the bit when he's taking on uh, Macho Man, who we'll get to, um, when he's like, "Oh, pretty outfit. Did your husband make it for you?" It's like, oh, very 2002. Like, you probably wouldn't get away with that now. It's fucking Macho Man. It is bone saw, bone saw. Thank you. Uh, William Dafoe, great casting. Animated face. Yeah. You know, everyone campaigns for him to be the Joker. Green Goblin's a great call for him. I did no need for him to be the Joker. I thought he was fantastic. And what I love about this as well is his scenes, and you can very rarely say this about actor, his best scenes are when he's on his own. Mm. He's in front of a mirror, when he's like cowering and he's asking himself for advice. They're really good, powerful scenes. Mm. They're fantastic. And he's an arsehole, aren't they? And let's be honest, the bit where he, he's fully turned now, and he, he's, he's mostly the Green Goblin, but he still has his life as Osborne, and he goes around for dinner, and he, and he goes for that chicken, and May slaps his hand away. I was like, she is dead. Because he's furious. I think he's trying to get his hands in the stuffing, mate. Yeah, that's what oh, that is. It. I so, think it's the marshmallows top stuffing. Well, but oh, do you want the look he gives her? I was mm. like, mate. Although you don't mess with that, mate. Do you know the best bit about that scene? Ad-libbed. No. He um, was really hungry. <laughs> he, he after, was actually, yeah. Afterwards, he beat the shit out of everyone. <laughs> he, uh, he's wearing uh, Spider-Man's colours, and Spider-Man's wearing Goblin's colours in that scene. Mate. And Harry Osborn is sat in between them. Wearing both the colours. Mate. Which I think is, is, I love that in a movie. It, you know, it's just a nice little nod that they're in control. They know what they're doing. I, that, that whole scene is brilliant. I love in a movie. And do you know what? The Michael Keaton, uh, Tom Holland one did this as well. The reveal scene. It's good. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. That is actually pretty good. I quite liked that. It's just the way you get that cut. And he's just like, the way he stares at him, he's like, he's, oh, he's, he's got such expressive eyes. Mm. Do you know what? William Defoe's eyes. Put him in the vault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> William Defoe's like intenseness and Toby Maguire's like just boyish like like yeah, he's just like what? <laughs> yeah, he's about as aggressive as a yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just brilliant. And then, and then you like Fast, so, mate, write that down. But, aggressive <laughs> as a yogurt. <laughs> but, but then you've got then you've got the heartbreaking bit of of James Franco's Harry Osborne not sticking up for Kirsten Dunst's MJ. And, yeah. and in the middle of all that. Rosemary Harris is Aunt May. Delightful. Just what a performance. She is the equivalent of a hog on the mm. screen. She, she was brilliant. And I think in all the later incarnations, they always tried to get like a famous or a younger as well. Like Aunt May. I want my Aunt May old. I mm. want this is my Aunt May. She's, she's so delightful and charming that I felt like after the, after if I went around her house, she'd, she'd also train me to be Spider-Man. Oh, she's, she's brilliant. I, I think she adds the, the emotional anchor in the first movie and in the second movie is so important. Um, I do want to get onto her in the second movie about whether or not she knows if Peter is Spider-Man or not, because yeah. that, I, that's a really interesting point. Just finishing off the cast listing. So while we're on it, we've also got Cliff Robertson and his uncle Ben, um, oh, do you know what? brilliantly yeah, performed in brilliant. this. He does he knows this part. It's like he showed up, I'm here to die, right? Yes. I I man, I got a bit of a I got it pulled on my heartstrings. The bit when he's talking to him in the car before he goes off to wrestle, the last time they have that heart to heart and he gives the whole um great power comes great responsibility speech. That to me is it's so important in a superhero movie of this scale. You need those moments of them human moments in the movie. And this, that, and then in the second one when he comes to him in almost like a like a dream. Yeah, in a dream. And he's like, if you take my hand, you're Spider-Man, and he can't do it. Fucking mate. Both of them scenes in them two movies are brilliant. I think he does a great job as well of not... Like, the actor knows his job. 
His job is to get the the character's uh, job is to get the hero where they need to be, with the ultimate sacrifice, mm. and uh, that's heartbreaking. Mm. Like like and going back to Tobey Maguire, like bores his eyes out. I'm you know you you have to feel something on the dead inside because mm. he's genuinely just like crying into the camera lens. Because in the short amount of time they've got up into that bit, maybe they, thirty minutes, forty minutes, you fully believe the love that he has for them to it's, raising him. It's the little things. It's like getting up and he's, and like the banter they have, like in the mm. opening scene, he's like, oh, uh, don't start without me. Don't start with me. Yeah. You know, he's just like, you know, he's, they're going to paint together. Because, mm. you know, he's a family guy. Yeah. It's Uncle Ben. He's there for you. Unless you actually need him past the first film because he's probably going to die because that's his job. <laughs> oh, man. So the first one. J.K. Simmons, let's do it. Oh, mate. So I'm not, a, I'm kind of a comic book guy. J. Jenner Jameson is one of my favourite characters because I love the idea of a character who's so anti the hero. <laughs> I, just, I, I love the idea that no matter what, so aliens come to Earth, Spider-Man single-handedly saves the day. Fucking, the, the fucking bugle headline will be Spider-Man Menace. Yeah. I love that character. I think that might be the best character ever come to life. J.K. Simmons nailed J. Jenner Jameson. He, he was J. As soon as I, J.K. Simmons, mate, when they started talking about Amazing Spider-Man 2, when they started talking about everything else, I was like, they have to recast J.K. Simmons because he is the only one who could do it justice. And then at, I know we've gone, we're not talking about it, but when he shows up at, at the latest Spider-Man film, I was like, do you know what? It roused, mate. Yeah, it was <laughs> worth passed, it just for that. I passed happy. <laughs> just went all the way there. Fantastic. The voice, iconic. The screaming. My favourite scenes in all trilogies are when he's in the Daily Bugle and he's just shouting at people. Mm. He's got his henchmen all around him and he's just like, well, not henchmen, sorry. He's got his reporters all around him. Doesn't care, making up headlines. We've got a problem on page six, Salmonella scare. You know, he's making shit up. Brilliant. Yeah. Newsman. And he's in it the perfect amount. If you oversaturate him, he doesn't have the impact. If you don't utilise him, fall on, you know, shame on you. He's used brilliantly. Every time it goes to that office, I'm like, brilliant. I want to see what this, even if it's 30 seconds a minute, it doesn't matter. But, and his dialogue is just brilliant. He's like, job? There's no jobs. Meat. I'll get you a box of meat. <laughs> it's, just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I love the whole like bar already does, you know, the whole like, I'll give you a hundred, like 150, 200 and it, like all that stuff. And, um, and you're right. The kind of line bits. I do also love it in the second one, which we're jumping ahead. But when he's like, Oh yeah, I've, I've, uh, it's my fault. We've, we've lost him. And, and then I can't believe I failed this thieving two timing backstabbing. <laughs> and he turns on a dime. He's like, I knew it. He's a menace. So the one I watched this, this week for Spider-Man 2 had like a, like a extended version. Cause he was dressed up in spook at one time. And I'd never seen that before. Did you get that? Dressed up what? You, dress, you know, when Spider we're getting ahead of ourselves, Spider-Man hands his suit in. Mm. There's a scene where Jay Jenner Jameson is dressed up in the suit, pretending to be Spider-Man. And I'd never seen that I'd before. I've never seen that. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it, mate. That's the editor's cut. I've seen the editor's cut this The three movies have editor's cuts, which yeah, between them. them only have, I think it's two minutes extra in each movie. Well, there you go. Two I know, I know what the editor's cut is in the third one. Oh, please, somebody took two minutes out. No. Oh, it's a shame. Um, so the first one, though, I, the positives we've, we've been splooging about, mate. We, you know, we're obviously huge fans. I think nailed right in the ultimate choice, you know, the bridge scenario, you know, your loved ones or the greater good, the ultimate question. You know, is one life greater than little kids? No, but somehow, you know, it doesn't really matter because he saves them both. But moral choices. It's a weird time, like we said earlier. Um, they had to kind of rechange the ending. New York comes together. You know, there's there's a lot of positives in this film. I know we should speak about them because they were very good. And the graphics, I still think, quite hold up. Quite the glider scenes, maybe not, but Spider Man himself. Pretty good. Yeah, it does. It, it, it's dangerously like PlayStation Two territory for the graphics. Yeah. 
Um, sometimes, sometimes, and and sometimes it's more noticeable than others. The parade scene is, a, is because bad. of the because of the uh, the, uh, the, the the fuck ton of green screen that was definitely needed. Yeah, <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, it's it's. The, I think the graphics really really hold up. Just just going back to that scene quickly. And the Green Goblin has got a grenade that mm. turns humans into like bones, just evaporates all like all their skin and meat. Mm. Never uses it again. <laughs> Never again in all those situations that we needed. It's like the prototype. Also gave birth to the shy surprise when when Spider Man goes into a burning building. It's like where where surprise. <laughs> that scene's epic yeah. in the cinema. I remember that scene with the slow mo and he throws the like yeah shurikens or whatever the, the kind of boomerang things. Which I love when they come back in the third one and he and Spider Man's like oh, I hate these things. Kind of nod into this scene. The fire building scene is brilliant. Where then Defoe again, and I like, I like, I like the whole kind of goblin Spider Man relationship. Where yes, you've got things where you have to get from point A to point B, and you know that Goblin's going to figure out who Peter is before Peter figures out who Goblin yeah. is. That's fine, and they can be. Some people might see them as formulaic, but. I like the bits like when he takes Spider-Man to the rooftop, could have ended him there. And he's like, but I want you to join me. The only problem I've got with that is how he gets him. He's just like, sleep. So he does. <laughs> well, again, he never uses that gas again. That would, <laughs> exactly. come, in, that would come in handy later when he gets stabbed in the dick. <laughs> so, mate, one use. One, one use, use, that's it. I've used all my sleep gas. <laughs> what on? Nothing, because ultimately I left him on the rooftop and went away. Did you take his mask off? Nah. No, I don't even know who he is. It's not like oh, Batman where well, he puts the... Well, uh, but in two scenes later, I will demand to know who he is and I'll need to know. <laughs> I like that in the Batman movie when uh, Joker's henchman goes to take the mask off and he's got like the electric... He gets electric. And you think, how oh, is Batman's face not burn off? <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes sense. The only the only decent explanation I ever got to why that doesn't happen was in Daredevil season two when uh, Matt Murdock asked the Punisher, like, why don't you take my mask off? And the Punisher's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> just, I just don't care who you are. Yeah, I, I, I like I like the relationship between the two of them. All the set pieces, the fire scene, the bridge, the bridge scene holds up as well. That is a cool scene. I just don't, you know, when they're all like, you messed, what I don't understand, right, you're the Green Goblin, you're in a flyer. Mm. You're about to end Spider-Man, but New Yorkers on the bridge all get together and start throwing stuff at you. And you just stand there and you take it, and you're getting hit by the six. You want to fucking glad, move two foot back. It, yeah, <laughs> but that scene was added in post. Yes, I know, but still... A, Move two a, foot back. No, you need it's it's the whole it's the nine eleven thing, isn't it? This it, is it, this is the big movie after after New York was here and the terrorist attack. It, that line, you know, where he's like, you you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. I, the the you know they so we know that they took out the scene. So there's a scene in it where, um, but the trailer was the trailer a helicopter was a, a stuck web between, between the two towers, twin towers. It? Yeah, and they had to re-edit that scene. I to be, to be honest, mate, that and the scenes where he jumps in front of an American flag, I don't mind it because part of Spider-Man's so DNA. The third one. Yeah. Oh, I fucking part, hate of, that. part of Spider-Man's DNA is he is a New York citizen. He's from the Bronx or Queens or wherever the fuck he is. No, America, Captain America's from the Bronx, isn't he? He's from the He's from Queens. So you need I like that. I like that, you know, New York is in his DNA. Yeah. So I, I that scene when they're all throwing bits off the boot, it doesn't bother me one. I don't mind bit. it at all, except for the villain. Just move. Just literally just move any direction. Two feet. Now. Now. The, the big thing I've got, it's my only issue I, I've really got. I really like the scene where he kind of gets into his powers and they do these cuts where you imagine it's like a newscaster asking uh, everyday citizens what they think. It's like, he's a menace or he's a hero. He saved my life. He's a bag of dicks. You know, he needed leaving the notes around. And then it's like transparent shots of uh, Tobey Maguire walking around without his mask on. It's one of my biggest hatred of these films is if you're going to be a mass superhero, keep your fucking mask on. Anyway... 
is before that. Well, when does he take his mask off? Constantly. Constantly. When? All of the time. This is the only film that he doesn't really because it gets damaged at the end. But in every other film, every time he has a conversation, he's like, I'll just whip my mask off. It's not like there's cameras in New York or video surveillance. I'll just whip it off. Yeah. Anyway. That'd be Toby Maguire's agent, though. <laughs> just it's fucking take, clever. Take your mask off. It's like, it's like, it's like uh, Robert Downey Jr. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll play Iron Man, but you're putting a camera in the suit. Yeah. Because I, I need my face. You can't cover my face up for the he, whole movie. But still, it just pisses me off. You don't see Batman every time you have a dialogue. Just don't like, fuck you, take the cow off for fuck's sake. Yeah, but it's half his face, isn't it? Turn the electricity off. <laughs> just, just <laughs> it's half his face anyway, I'm not having a bad word about these movies James what about this he goes from having no powers so he has the. so these are the only they're the only small bits mate just, just bear with me I them. know but this is a movie about a guy who gets powers just, from a spider and he's no, no, fighting a, a, just, a all goblin alright <laughs> the green one <laughs> yeah. oh yeah the red, right. red goblin didn't come into this one right. did it? so he gets it he decides to wrestle because he wants to buy a car that's fine I've got no problem with that he wants to be the man spider well, you know, Bruce Campbell's like, maybe you should be the amazing Spider-Man. So he is. He's got to last three minutes in there with Bonesaw, mm. played by the macho man Randy Savage, mm. in a scene where, you know, he, he doesn't, he just flips around a lot and doesn't do anything. The suit doesn't look good, but that's a good thing because he doesn't show up as Spider-Man straight away. That's good. And then there's the scene which I don't like. I like the idea. So the promoter screws Peter Parker because he didn't last three minutes. He beat Bonesaw under, so he doesn't get the £300. He's lucky to get the £40 he gets. $40, sorry, mm. I apologise. And then the guy robs him and Peter Parker has the option to save the day, stop the villain with the money, but he doesn't because he got screwed over. He's a bit angry. So the guy gets away. Shy surprise, he steals a car, shoots Uncle Ben. So Peter Parker in a way is responsible. Then Peter Parker hunts him down. And the guy falls by tripping and falling out of a door and uh, falling out of a window. And that really pisses me off. But Spider-Man can't be seen to kill him. No, he can't. No, I can't. Because a lot of kids are going to watch this But movie. at the same time, it's a really stupid way to die. Just he, fall, he literally trips and falls out of like a six-story building. It's a bit stupid. And instantly, he's Spider-Man now. I would have liked to see, and this is what like Homecoming did really good and Amazing Spider-Man, when you have to learn your powers. Within about 30 seconds, a bit of a montage, he's fine. Whereas in the other ones, he's in the other like uh, in, interpretations he's like trying to find a lost cat and stuff like that I think that's quite funny in this one he's like instantly he's like oh he's dead I'm Spider-Man now that's it it's only a small bit just those like 15 minutes don't sit right with me honestly James I don't know what you I, I don't know I don't know where this comes from in you because I like every a, week we sit across from each other and you pull out these this negativity so you, this so aura you think, so you think those 15 minutes are fine yeah right. the guy the guys can't Spider-Man can't shove him out of a window because a no, lot of I kids are going to watch that's this film. That's fine. I don't, I'm not saying he should throw him out of a window. What I'm saying is the guy shouldn't trip and comedically fall out and die. Because, I thought that was a very believable fall. Because. <laughs> he fell ass first, <laughs> which is the way I would fall. <laughs> Only because you have this moment, this grounding moment, this absolute grounding moment where he's like, oh my God, my father figure, after my father died, my father figure is dead. The other one's going to die later. <laughs> so like in one film, three of my fathers are going to die. And then the most of ground is like, you killed Uncle Ben. And then the guy's like, oh no. Then you might as well play. No, that would have been the time when he would have gone, I didn't kill Uncle Ben. Wait till the third movie. The guy made of sand did it. The only bit that doesn't sit right with me is the is the morning after scene when he wakes up and he's hench and it's like and he's like, yeah, I'm good. It's like it's not puberty. It's like No, it is. That's how it works, right? I hope to hit puberty one day. That's the bit where I would have been like, something's 
odd here. <laughs> I woke up with a six pack of muscles. I don't need my glasses anymore. Don't need to question it. Yeah. <laughs> and I got spit yesterday. Maybe I should go to the doctor. <laughs> no, that's not a bad work, mate. Um, no, but a very good film. Amazing film. Ending as well. What I love. Take all the um, special effects out. Hand to hand combat at the end. Yeah. Where again, Sam Raimi fucking shows that, you know, his, his skill set as a director that you can do all the high wire stunts and all the effects. And then at the end, in a very confined space, do a very brutal fight scene for a 12. Like it is pretty bloody. And I like that in all three of the movies, Raimi puts in kind of little nods that. He doesn't need to. So in this one, he takes away sound and he does a few rocky slow-mo shots and you get the overhang of him like being punched. And in the second one, there's a freeze frame that's really doesn't sit right. Amazing. <laughs> and so Raimi does all these like kind of nods to other, French, other films and other styles of filmmaking, which I really like. And that as an adult now, going back and rewatching these, which I want to pick these up when I was a kid. But now going back and watching it, I'm like, fucking hell, this is really well made. This film is really good. I really like the idea as well that he pulls a wall down on him. I don't mm. know why, it's so, so if ineffective, like when you think about it, but effective. Yeah. But I do remember thinking, now this is the adult in me, going, where are they fighting? This is in New York. Why hasn't this been bulldozed and turned into like flats by now? That's on the docks, isn't it? The docks are up and coming, right? all they need is a boost (laughs) they're gonna be there there are are scenes aren't there like Goblin's like right he he takes him out to the water to fight him you know because Spider-Man would be as you know as able as he would in the city yeah because he's got no high rises to swing off yeah and I think they do do that in the other Spider-Man movies like when they go to the parks or whatever like that and it's a little bit harder for him fucking except for the third one it's like pick a giant skyscraper where he'll have the advantage yeah (laughs) Yeah, that third film really didn't know what it was doing did it (laughs) this one I love I love that kind of close combat towards the end the reveal of of Norman Osborn the you know, the um, the fact that you think that he's coming around, but then he's just trying to double cross him. I'm pretty soon he gets stabbed in the dick. He just... It's an awfully low blow. Um, but then the crush of it is like, Mary Jane offers him it on the plate and he's like, dude, I'm yours. And he's like... <laughs> anything. <sighs> he's like, ooh, anything. He's like, yeah, but as long as we're together, you're, um, you know, you're vulnerable. You know, my enemies are, will, will come after you. And that, that's, that's why he's thinking in his head. But in reality, what he has to say is like, nah. <laughs> that no Kunstin does me Toby Maguire saying no to you <laughs> see you later that that whole scene though is so great like this idea that he is a kid you know he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders and the only thing he's ever wanted he can't have and it's this idea that comic books do so well this gift and curse r- relationship you know it's a gift but it's a curse and this movie had it all it was well rounded like I say perfectly fleshed out characters a right the right blend of story and action the right blend of um physical fights and and physical stunts versus wires and and effects i mate the film is top grade spider-man is, is amazing it's it's all right it's good i've noticed that you've you've right so who are the two favorite characters mine are aunt may because she's beautiful but mm. you a cake and and green goblin we're not <laughs> going to mention the iconic scene between those two is like one of the worst scenes i think ever written <laughs> It's, it, it's it's again it's another 10 minute scene where he's sat there at the at bedside uh, Toby Maguire and they're talking about Mary Jane Watson and she tells a story which is quite lovable but if you if you read it it's like she tells the story it's like ma ma it's an angel it's like shut the fuck up and then followed by followed by her saying a prayer the green goblin comes in finish it yeah that's <laughs> it's a bit odd. Not, it's just, he's literally 
gone home, put his suitcase around, I'm going to scare the shit out of old woman. She's not going to know what here. Also, it is an old lady. He could have just knocked on the door. You know what I mean? He probably didn't even need the mask. She probably would have opened that door. Yeah, you know, just, she knows who Norman is. She probably would have come willingly just, thinking it's right. Just, it's a lot of effort to blow half the building up. Finish it. From evil. It's not a good scene. She However, that's a great insurance though, because the next film, that house is back up. <laughs> But then she's losing the house. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> the, 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 what happens is she was renting it. Renters insurance paid for it. Rent went up. It was, it was too good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your insurance has gone up because you're the aunt of fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> so deal with it. Um, yeah, it's a really good film. Fun. And uh, to me, Spider-Man, not enough quips. Not but, enough wit. Not enough wit. But then again, that's going to be a, a, a concurrent theme. We go to Spider-Man 2 in 2004. So I think... And I'm very, this is going to be a, an epic statement. Before The Dark Knight, probably the best superhero film of all time. Spider-Man 2. Yeah. So you're in the camp that this is better than the first one. Yes. Yeah, I, I think everyone is. Oh, it's, no, it's pretty divided. Some, some crazy oh, I, fans. Are, I, I, I thought it was quite, I, to me, can I just like build this up mm. to me? Because this is, this is like second year of, you know, college, university. Whenever you, the first year you're getting used to it, it's kind of fun. The second year matters. <laughs> it's like the first year you can fuck off. Second year is stressful. Peter Parker Constantly late for his job, getting fired. He's delivering pizzas, can't do it because he's got a great good. Spider-Man is averaging out. He's doing okay, Spider-Man, but he's failing everything else. He's a terrible friend, terrible worker. And I love this storyline throughout. Great genius, bit lazy. You know, that kind of tagline now. You know, everyone thinks he's lazy because of the dual life. But he can't excel at anything because he's doing too much. Mm. And the greatest storyline ever, because he's doing too much and he's conflicted, his body, his powers, just basically go, do you know what? Fuck you. The power's losing when we get a super, uh, Spider-Man, sorry. It's kind of losing losing it because his mind, the whole body, uh, body and mind thing. And I don't know if a superhero film that's done that. I thought this was brilliant. I think this is well played. What a great storyline. And we haven't even involved a villain yet. He, he's lost his superhero mojo. Yeah, because he's got too much on his plate. There's mm. too many plates spinning. Well, I think also it's because his heart is, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that yeah. His heart's not in the superhero the bit. The soul and the body, mate, they're yeah. not connected. Something's got to give. And I, I, I like this one as well because you've gone from, the good thing about the, it's, the good thing about second movies, sequels, you have to do the origin yeah. stuff. You could just focus on the villain's origin. So we can hit the ground running with this movie. And, I, and we do. A really good fun scene, you know, with him delivering the pizzas. A bit of comedy in there with the lift scene. You know, I like I like awkward comedy. I like when the camera hangs around for too long. Oh, I think it's too awkward. When it's too well done, I genuinely then feel awkward. Like, oh, I wish, oh, stop it. But it's the right amount. It's, the comedy in this movie stepped up as well. You know, like the whole mop in the in the broom cupboards and they just keep falling out. And yeah. it goes on just that, that just right amount for <laughs> length of time. Having the movie starts really strong. I like where we are with Peter Parker because, you, because again, it's keeping grounded. You would not be able to be a vigilante by night and attend class, have, a, you know, a, a relationship or, or budding relationship, be a friend, be all them bits and pieces. You know, I, I struggle now with a job and going to the gym. <laughs> you know, how would I be a superhero as well? I mean, it's very realistic, like this yeah. idea. And I, I love the direction that they took this movie. I, I genuinely think of it like a, like a university. It's like mm. the first year, freshman year, so you're learning everything. The second year is the fucking tough year where you've got to learn everything. And then the third year, you're either you're kind of into it. The second one I thought was brilliant. Like I said, we're not even involved. Alfred Molina, who I think Doc Ock might be my favourite Spider-Man villain. When we come to villain, Spider-Man's got like the second best like rogues gallery. Doc Ock, Venom, Carnage. They are the their second best. Obviously, I would go Batman first, but... To play with Doc Ock. Batman has got the best villains. Batman does have the best villains. But Spider-Man is a second. I love his. And I think Doc Ock was 
I love the design of him and Alfred Molina. And let's be honest, Alfred Molina is not an A star. He's not an A lister. But he was after this. But he was fucking top dollar. He was mm. so good. Now, the storyline, like we said, is, is he can't do anything right. Mary Jane is constantly on his back. He's like, when she's moved on. She's dating Jay Jonathan. Jay Jonathan. Jay James Jones. J.K. Simmons' son. <laughs> you know, she's moved on. But at the same time, there's still that, there's still that thing. She's like, look, there. mate, I'll wait for you. Just give me the nod. Just give me the wink. And I'm there. And he's, he's like, like, no, no, no I can't really do it. No, no. Oh, and then what's this? Oh, no, she's going to lose the house. Oh, oh, no, mate. oh, Could anything could anything worse go wrong? Well, yes, your scientific hero could, for some reason, develop AI arms. I, I say this every week, mate. <laughs> do not develop AI Don't fuck about with nuclear physics. Yeah, just don't. So I think the mistake might have been um, artificial intelligence for his arms. <laughs> I just think if if there was a fault in the plan, and it was like, ha, ha, and he gets asked the question, he gets asked, so why, uh, mate, can I rewind just two seconds? Because I love this. Um, Connors, and I really like this, it's scattered with a lot of characters. Uh, Connors would obviously go on to be Lizard. Mm. There's a great scene where he's like, you haven't handed your paper in yet, you're late. And then V-Bug <laughs> says, oh, I was planning on writing it about Dr. Octavius. And... And the guy goes, you don't get parts from, you don't get points for marking. And that's not his premise. Like going, he's already fucking missed deadline. He <laughs> hasn't even fucking done it. He's planning it. So like, why hasn't he got a zero? Fucking kicked out. Because that's what nearly happened to me. Favoritism, man. Favoritism. Um, but then the scene was like, he builds these arms. They're going to help me. He's like, oh, how are you going to stop the arms from controlling you? Because arms have got an ulterior motive. Yeah, that's not a real, that's not a question anyone would ask, is it? <laughs> like, like we, we, need to, we, we need to explain what's about to happen. Yeah. It's like, I, I, you control the arms to do the arm control you. Oh, well, and then look at it. Goes, well, look, as long as something happens to this chip. Oh, God, I'm glad you pointed out. It's mightily, mightily exposed <laughs> in the one place I can't really reach. <laughs> just, Why don't one of the arms just nip that off? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it knows that in, in New York, you're most likely going to get hit by lightning. Mm. And that's lucky, because it does. Um, and then basically, I, I've got to admit, I thought they missed a... Uh, we should have said, actually, at the end of the first movie, Harry Osborn also sees Spider-Man put in oh, yeah, so, his yeah, father in, in the room. You know, So he doesn't know his dad's Green Goblin, but he knows that Spider-Man's got something to do with his dad. Yeah, yeah. Well, he knows his dad's... No, he doesn't know his Green Goblin yet. Of course he doesn't. He, he knows at the end of this film. Yeah. Yeah, so he sees his dad's been murdered by, or what he thinks is by Spider-Man, because that's going to carry on. That That is the big arc over the three movies. you know what? That's something we should have said, that the storyline, there is a, over the three films, there is an overarching storyline, yeah. which I actually think kind of pays off, despite the fact the third one is shit. The third one does do some things quite well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, the second one, I'm in this film straight away, even without the villain. Mm. I do think they missed an opportunity here because I know Raimi was a huge fan. He wanted he, all of his villains to have humanity. And I think is a cop-out giving Doc Ock AI arms, because if he was like a scientist that was obsessed with creating this, and I know he was in a way, and that's what his arms feed on, but his wife dies, he barely acknowledges it, you know, he, he kind of goes for a revenge thing, but ultimately he's not the villain, it's his arms, and that pisses him off, because if it was like a scientist that was just like consumed with doing this, because he thought it was for the benefit of humanity, I think that would have been a lot better, that would have been a cooler way to go, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticise this near perfect film mm. because that's a very small thing. There's, I just think the arms is a bit of a bullshit. There's a lot of parallels to Mr. Freeze, isn't there? Yeah. Like the wife's gone or or whatever. I just think they could have done something a bit better. Now, so the arms were a mistake. However, you talked about it earlier. One of my favourite scenes in any movie, nearly any movie ever, could have easily been an 18 when they're operating on him mm. and the arms come to life. Like, like Independence Day, mate. <laughs> Just yes. fucking scissoring a bitch. <laughs> just, 
that's scary. Yeah, yeah. When the arm's just coming out, it's like, I love the fact that they go, the arm just moved. No one listens. Like, yeah, why be concerned by the AI, <laughs> the AI arms that, that are now free apparently to do whatever they want? Bullshit. It, it's, it's a great scene. I, I, and I'm glad they kept it in because I know that that's one of the big issues they had, wasn't there? Because it they yeah. was going to push the rating up. be too scary for kids, but it does work so well. In my head, it was a lot bloodier. Yeah. Rewatched it this week. I was like, oh, actually, it's, I think it's, it's kind of implied. It's so, implied horror, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we get to, um, and, and uh, we've been long here, but he kind of gives it in. He gives in Spider-Man. He, he has what you said earlier. Like, he kind of like has a vision with Uncle Ben. And Uncle Ben's like, didn't I tell you a great power comes great responsibility? And people go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but I've played that for laughs and no one laughed. But um, that's actually heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking scene. It's a heartbreaking scene because he's kind of like, Uncle Ben's like begging him. It's like, no, mm. please, you've been given this gift. And he's like, I just want to be human anymore. And then we get a really weird montage of Peter Parker doing really well at school, but ignoring crimes. <laughs> so that was weird, wasn't it? So this, this goes back to the Raimi thing, isn't it? Because that's brave, putting that in. Yeah. Putting that scene in. And this is where the freeze frame shot comes in. It's almost, it's a bit sitcom happy days, isn't it? And it, yeah. it, it does play for laughs. You know, you've got that scene. Sticking his hand up, he's answering the question. There's a bully getting bully beating someone up. He's eating art dog. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. The, the scene when the police cars go past and, and you think... He's going to, you know, whip out the suit and instead he takes this over-exaggerated bite of a hot dog and it's all very playful, um, yeah. you know, and it's this like, and it's bright, it's sunny, it's, it's overly sunny. Um, I think that's quite brave to put in. That, that tonally is the bit that stuck out more for me than the horror scene, you know, I think. But what works so well is that them two come very close to each other. Yeah. So you get this real bleak contrast of your villain and your and your hero who's stepping down as being a hero. I think this film is actually shot beautifully as well. I can't forget that. It's shot exquisitely. Yeah. It does that really well. It showcases New York as a really fucking friendly, warm-looking yeah. place. I, one thing for all the Spider-Man movies is I do want to know, like, who builds Spider-Man for the amount of shit on the buildings. <laughs> you always said that yeah you? like someone it's someone unless it like I don't know after rain it, it melts I don't know but that's not very sustainable is it just just, just imagine being the contract it's like oh fucking splooge everywhere splooging everywhere especially yeah. on that third one it's just like I don't there's sand splooge and now black splooge what is there's going on web everywhere <laughs> just I hope it's web <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I really like this film I, I like everything about it The for me when I'm watching it and when I was watching it this week in my head, I was like, yeah, this is good, this is good. Get me to the train scene. You know, Get dude. me to that train scene. The bank the bank scene's good. That That is really good. And this is the part where you, Anne May must know Peter is Spider-Man by this point. She yeah. must have figured out. She's changed the tune from the first one. In the first one, she was a bit apprehensive. In this one, she's talking to the next door neighbor, Henry, who's helped there to help before out. Before all of that, though, in the bank, you'd be I like- I this was before, I apologize. No, this comes, the, the, no, um, because when he's he's still Spider Man at this point, isn't he? He hands up the suit after. Oh, does he? So he's Spider Man. Uh, he yes. fights Doc Ock. Yes. Um, in this bank scene, he saves uh, Aunt May. But up until that point, where he's he's in the bank as Peter Parker, and um, disappears. And and then that's when the guy says, "Oh, great nephew, you've got." There. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you was, if you was Aunt May, you'd be like, "Bitch, where the fuck have you gone? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You leaving me here?" So that, that to me is the wink that she knows who he is and he's gone to go get changed. And then that's why she delivers the speech in the backyard. Or uh, maybe it's that scene where she figures it out that he left, Spider-Man turned up, she's cracked it, she's cracked it. Probably makes sense why he's so tired all the time, whatever. Why his head all of a sudden. Why she's caught him with all that white stuff in the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> webbing everywhere. everywhere. And then, because then later she <laughs> don't, delivers Don't come the, in my room, I'm webbing. <laughs> <laughs> she delivers that speech later on. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Gives us strength, makes us noble. He 
even though sometimes we have to give up the thing we want the most. But the, the bank fight scene is great. I love... I love Doc Ock just throwing bags of coin around. Yeah. Like he's fucking Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> just just going for it. And then running away with a loot. And that I'm whole just... climbing the side of the building thing. What I really like about Doctor Doc Ock is mechanically how sound he is. Like the idea that these, the, the, the arms, the prosper, you know, the fake arms can make him climb a building, but they can also just make him move down the street. Like he, he has no use for his legs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like, I, he even gets them to take off his sunglasses and that, yeah. I, I think that's pretty cool. I say the only thing I don't understand is how does he get a coat that somehow hides the arms, but doesn't like ride up his back. <laughs> I, it's a common thing. Where do war villains and, and heroes get their, um, yeah, get the costumes from? Just imagine he spent ages with his mechanical arms sewing that up. It's like, right, we're going to fuck it here. But what, what, actually going back to why I think this movie's so great is it is again, it doesn't sell the idea that being a hero is fucking good. Like, mm. He's got no money. Yeah, you know, like he's he's um, struggling to pay rent. He can't hold a job down. He can't even do his laundry without like ruining like his whites and everything. That is, a weird, that is a weird thing to like show him how far far he's fallen. It's like he can't even wash clothes properly. But it's this, yeah, it's this idea, isn't it? That it's not, it's not all good. It's not, it's not all praise. Particularly when you're an anonymous hero. Yeah, and I think Stanley said that Spider Man wears a mask so that his enemies can't see his fears. Because all the way through this, is he is shit scared. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a you know he's a young kid. Um, so yeah, I, I, for me the bank scene's great, but it's all about the train scene. I, you know, so and I, I again watching this week, I was like, how do we get to that point where Doc Ock has figured it out? And then rewatching it, it, it's really good. So he goes to Osborne as the head of Oscorp because he wants some tritonium. Yeah, and he's like, and then he's like, well, if you give me Spider Man, I'll give you that. And then that's how we get there. And then yeah. he knows that Peter it's is Peter the photographer. Park. Yeah, because uh, that's what Osborne shouts him. He says, like, don't hurt Peter. But mm. he's like, lol, I'm gone. <laughs> My arms are well in, like, buried in the walls of your house. <laughs> I do I do love how, yeah, Os- I, from this day, Doc Ock has never used a door. <laughs> yeah, he's just don't have to, <laughs> he doesn't have to anymore. I do like when he goes to see. I mean, he's lucky that he has a balcony because if not, he'd be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like how... Um, when he goes to see Peter and Mary Jane, again, heartbreaking scene where she's like, just lay one on us. No, he's the opposite now because he's like, I want to lay one on you because he's given up, hasn't he? And she's like, lol, no, you had your shot <laughs> no, but, no, but she does. She leans in. She's like, oh, she does, she, she, she she says, just, just kiss me once. And then, uh, so this is the point where slammer. Aunt May has given him the talk and in his head, he's like, I, I need to pick up the costume again. And after she gets kidnapped. No, this is before. No, because I thought... Oh, I'm, I'm oh, gives him the prep talk. I in thought the, in this the, was... I thought it was saying after she gets kidnapped, that's when he, like, he induces, injects him superhero powers because then he's like, lol, I'm Spider-Man now. He, so Aunt May gives him the prep talk. Okay. And then the bad timing is that then moments later, uh, Mary Jane's like, oh, well. kiss me. And he's like, I can't because I've just decided to become Superman again. Wow. So he has to flog her off for the second time. So Spider-Man's got his enemy's timing. Yeah. So he's <laughs> he, he's like, he goes, I, I was lying earlier. I, I I can't be the person you want me to be because his mind's made up that he's got to be the superhero. And then we get the car through the wall scene and it's only Do when what, he gets I, thrown against the wall. What I love about this though, what I absolutely love about this is, is Doc Ock has been told to go get mild-mannered Peter Parker and he's been told not to harm him because he needs to ask him a question. So like any sane person, he throws a fucking car at him. <laughs> just and like, then, and just then, it's lucky that he is fucking Spider-Man because if not, <laughs> he's done that and he's gone, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> he's dead. If you was Doc Ock, you'd be walking away from that or crawling away from that scene going, <laughs> Definitely not God, he got it. out of the way of that car quick. And then then I threw him full force at a brick wall and he did all right. <laughs> I, never, I 
never really understood that. It's like, I need you to do this. Now I'm going to break your, potentially break your spine, yeah. <laughs> thus making your job a lot harder. Oops. But it's amazing what being thrown into a brick wall will do, James. It'll yeah. turn you back into Spider-Man. Yeah, turn, take your glasses off, son. <laughs> fucking love that scene. This, this, is, this to me is, and, and I think one and two, also, although the DC and, and, and Marvel... They, they, it does pay homage to Superman quite a lot. The, the, you know, Take they're the running, running down the alleyway, ripping the shirt open, and there's the costume. Um, the glasses scene, you know, the whole idea as well that, you know, he's he's, he's nerdy because he's got a pair of glasses, very Clark Kenty. So this is how Mary Jane's in it, because Mary Jane has been kidnapped to force Peter Parker to find Spider-Man so that Spider-Man can get caught by Doc Ock, who can go to... Harry, who will then give Doc Ock the Tritonium to create his son. And then very, very well written in, Mary Jane's like, later on, she's like, why have you still got me? And he's like, because you've seen my face and you know where my lair is. Um, And then, so she's in the end fight purely by association, which is good because it's not like the first movie, it's like, I'll use you as bait. And like the third movie where they use you as bait, she's there by happenstance more than anything. But then you get the Harry and the... So this this scene was a bit weird. So you get the Harry so you, and, so you, and so you go to Peter the, Parker showdown. Oh, you, do you want to talk about the uh, train scene? Did you love it? Uh, you see, because I not I love the train scene. So this is when the, oh yeah, the, tra- the train train scene is is maybe one of my favourite superhero moments. It's it up is. there with for me. It's up there with Dark Knight. Um, the whole you know the Joker scene when he gets when the Joker gets kidnapped by um, when he gets arrested. Yeah. For me, it's, it's it's that level of intense. Really good. I really like that they're like, it's just a kid. You know, they carry him. A bit like Jesus. <laughs> also, I don't know where they're carrying But that's really good. Why don't we understand? Why don't I appreciate though? Is that cocky? So the train's out of control. He's at the front. He's doing the iconic scene where he's uh, cross-armed. He's got a spider. He's got- Almost Christ-like again, James. Yeah, exactly. He's got his webs everywhere, mate. He's splooging webs like you wouldn't believe. And then the guy goes, got any more bright ideas? Like, fuck you. Spider-Man could just leave you to your death, you know, you prick. Not break much. But then then they carry him back. He's not got his mask on, because why would he? (laughs) Because you're only a fucking superhero. No, but you need... James! I'm just saying. Stop it! Just saying, anyway. Stop it, we're going to fall out. You need this scene. Well, I know you need this scene, but I'm just saying he's nearly taking his mask off. He's taking his mask off because it spat out the fire and he needed to get it off. Don't fucking excuse that. You see it. But when he puts his mask on later, that burn's not there. It is there. Fuck off. it is there because the two kids are like, we found this. They wouldn't have found it because it fell off outside the train. Now, I would give you that point. You anyway. Need, again, you anyway, need this scene. Anyways, carried on. And it, it, there's a lot of people going, it's just a kid. Oh my yeah. God, my kid's younger than him. He's like, oh my God, it's Spider-Man. And then he's like, it's just a boy. He's like, oh. That scene is is fucking, I was eating my bolognese earlier watching that between tears, mate. That scene is is so good. Like, not only is it visually stunning, and as we said, this movie won an award for it. So it won its Oscar for, for visual effects. That scene is like is amazing. Like when he stops the train. The, the Doc Ock scene is great. The fight is great. I was inside. It's outside. It's on the side. He's off the train. He's back on the train. The whole bit is brilliant. I love the fact he does leave him. He leaves him alone for it. Like, I will let you stop the train. <laughs> I'm just gonna disappear, but I'll come back in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. But it, I, for me, that that scene when they're carrying through and you see his face and and and, and but he's, yeah, the, the the he's just a kid scene is is amazing. It's the fact that they're all also like, we won't tell anyone. Yeah, no, that's You cool. know, in a, in a cell phone photo world. Oh, here, you know, that would never happen. It'd be like TikToks. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, it'd be all Spider-Man. over the place, wouldn't it? Snapchat, <laughs> hashtag, this is Spider-Man. That scene's so good. That's so good. Like, maybe my favourite scene in the whole movie, in the whole trilogy, that scene. It's a very powerful scene. But then everyone stands up to it. Doc Ock shows up, it's like, bring me Spider-Man. It's like, you go through him, you got to go through me. 
forgetting he's got four giant metal arms and I do like his cockiness where he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. He's Lawrence. a much better villain at this point than William Defoe in the first one when he's like, get out of the way. I'm yeah. far superior than you are. But again, it's that New York spirit, isn't it? That, it that is. the Which film got has. It, it's so good, that scene. That whole train scene is brilliant. Um, the showdown is, is, is maybe less climactic, but then Spider-Man 2 is less... There is a lot less action in Spider-Man 2 than there is in 1. There's a lot less action. Yeah. number Spider-Man 2 does play out more as a kind of a continuation of the two, well, the three, I suppose, main kids, you know, Harry, uh, Peter, and, and MJ, and their kind of love triangle, weird relationship when there's a villain on the loose. Whereas, mm. So I, I suppose it does make sense to play less. And certainly at the end, what, what I really like about the end is, is how much it parallels where, how Osborne is created and this time it, not Osborne, sorry, Doc Ock is created, now mirrors that in how he's destroyed, essentially. And yeah. you've even got things like the wall kind of sh- like falling down and it nearly hitting MJ. And and Peter, that scene decides not to stop the machine, but to save the woman, which he didn't do at the beginning, which would have stopped Doc Ock from becoming who he is. It's a really well played out scene. Mm. Fucking love this scene as well. <laughs> Harry's found out who Spider-Man is, ripped his mask off. Yeah. Should have electrocuted it. <laughs> <laughs> Rips off. I think that bit's quite well acted as well because because he's like, oh my God, I'm so shocked. But Toby, the old Tobes, Peter Parker, doesn't have time to like talk him through it. He's like, I bitch, I do not care what you're going through right now. Doc Ock has got MJ. I, need, I, I do not care what you're going through. Where's MJ? Tells him. I really like that story. You see, what we've got is with continuation, the, the setting up a, oh, what's going to happen? Then you have a fight scene, which isn't really a fight scene. He just kind of like, it's a tiny bit of fighting. They talks him into it. And then Doc Ock realizes that he's more powerful than his AI controlled arms. Talks to him. And I do like that. I always like when he talks to his arms, it looks like they're kind of snakes listening to yeah. him. And I do quite like that. Ultimately, just goes, maybe we shouldn't. And the arms are great, yeah. <laughs> which is good. Maybe we should have had that conversation a bit earlier. I, I, do, I do like the, the Harry bit, though. So we're just going back to that. The, the, we're, we're Spider-Man where Peter's like this is bigger there's something happening at the moment that's bigger than us two yeah this can I think wait he genuinely says that doesn't he yeah this can wait for the third movie um, oh. Oh, yeah yeah the whole thing I like that though because Doc Ock again how do you get you can't you can't do what Spider-Man 1 did which is Defoe kill himself yeah you know well uh, you know essentially Spider-Man jumping out of the way so you can't do that again and you certainly can't have Spider-Man killing him yeah and as far as I'm aware in this universe this spider-man universe there is no super jail for super villains no i don't I assume not so he has to go somehow so i suppose the only logical way is um is for like you say in fact all the movies he doesn't kill any of the villains does he no all the villains because because this is a sam raimi thing and when we get onto it it's why he never wanted to do venom he wanted humanity he said he wanted the goodness of the villains to come through so in the end your man realized talks to his arms he walks into the river which i think is quite a point ending you know it's like he takes his creation and drowns it and mm. himself. He's like, he dies with his... I won't die a monster, he says. Yeah, and I think that's pretty cool because he's he's a literal Frankenstein's monster at this point. Mm. So I think that's pretty cool. And I would like to point out uh, that rewatching this film, still perfect. And the big reveal at the end, that she's just looking at him and he's not wearing a mask and they're just kind of staring at each other. And cool. as a kid, as a kid, I was like, shit, she knows. She you knows. know, like, because I didn't, ex- I still didn't expect it. As like a 15-year-old watching this movie, or 16 when I was, Again, you're like, well, the gig's up. Like, people know who he is. People on the train have seen him. Harry now knows who he is. MJ knows who he is. I mean, I I, I was probably still not into film enough to know they're setting up for the third movie. Yeah. But to me, I was like, shit, they, she knows. Like, I didn't think they were going to do that. I thought he would hang it up and then settle down with her. I didn't think she would know actually that. Ex- but she looks at him as if to say, 
A, I kind of fucking knew it, which is why I wanted you to kiss me in the cafe because I had that upside down kiss and I still remember what you taste like. And the second bit, and also there's a the, look of relief in her eye that almost says like, now I get why you weren't at the play. Now I get why you're such a shitty friend. And then she's like, oh, now I know why you and Spider-Man have the same voice. Yeah. <laughs> and the same build and the same height. Well, that was why. Oh, that's cracking. That's and then, well, I've never I, seen you and Spider-Man in the same room together. <laughs> and my Aunt May just said the other day, oh, you might be Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but again, he goes down to Kirsten Dunst's brilliant performance of just, and it, and, and that movie ends as well, doesn't it? When she kind of, she, she accepts it. She's like, I, I want both of you. I know you've got to do that. she runs away from the wedding. Yeah. But then when she looks out the window, again, there's that look in her eyes of to say, like, I'm cool with this, but I'm also fucking terrified about this. Really wish they'd ended it before she runs away from the wedding. Implying, you know, show, don't tell, leave it. Mm. Wet the whistle. I think it was too well-rounded at the end. I was like, where are they going to go? There's only one plot point left. I've kind of want them to leave it. Will they, won't they? Mm. Brilliant so, movie. Absolutely fantastic. I so far, James, two outstanding films worthy of the vault. Two great films. Two great films, two great villains. Two of the best villains. Great villains. Great comic book films. And also, we don't talk about this stuff. Can we just drop this in? Spider-Man 2. One of the best video movie times. It was, Spider-Man 2 was brilliant. You could save like a little child's balloon and the swinging was based on the building. So mm. if you were in the park, you couldn't swing. I really love Spider-Man 2, the game. In Spider-Man 2, there's a lot of delivering pizza. Yeah. And also, the tutorial was by Bruce Campbell. It was by Bruce Campbell. And the tutorial in many parts was better than the actual game. Yeah. That game was fucking solid, mate. And it was so good. So much fun. The um, the, the Bruce Campbell bit, is like, I always do this, this way, but there's the tutorial of how to play that game is like jump across a building, sling a web, take out these two bad guys. And Bruce Campbell's like narrating the whole thing. And he goes, you figure out how to get over this building. I'm going to go get a sandwich. And then when he comes back later, he's like, I see you got over there. Oh, too much mustard. And it was just, it had like this whole comedy to it. And uh, we hadn't talked about Bruce Campbell enough. Obviously. Bruce Campbell really comes into his own in the third movie. <laughs> like the third it's not, movie. There's not that many people that can say that, is there? No. <laughs> the third movie is he's is his shining star in the in the in the three. The second one, obviously a bit of fun at the theatre. Yeah. Um and the first one, like obviously he was only rewatching it recently. I figured so out that he's, he's the, the presenter. Part, yeah. yeah, he's the Elvis impersonator kind of just presenter. He's the man who created Spider Man, mate. It's gonna be the human spider before Bruce Campbell stepped in. I suppose we've got Bruce Campbell to thank for all of this. We've got Bruce Campbell. We've got to thank him for it. Right, do it. Third get, one. Get to it. Spider-Man is now celebrated as New York's hero whilst Peter and MJ are happily together. While stargazing, a meteor lands nearby. Fuck. Doesn't set off any spider senses. No. Uh, where a black liquid-like symbiote... But to be fair, it wouldn't because his spider senses have never had to deal with an alien factor before. So I would be thinking in my head, it's because he's not used to it. Because how can you know it's a threat unless you've actually been attacked by it? It's not the symbiote, it? though. It's the meteorite. Yeah, but... That, that, that he would set up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, he'd be like, oh, fucking... His spider senses would be like, yeah, space. Go touch it. Yeah, because, yeah, I, but, because I even listened to episode 150 of Sorry in My Sleep where they teach us to not Yeah, but they're looking actually at shooting stars and stuff. They don't notice when one lands fucking 20 feet away from them. I don't know. It's all right. You could, uh, do you know what I'll have, James? It's because he's too busy focusing on MJ that he didn't know that his spider senses are, I don't know, subdued somewhat. I will, we'll go with that. Anyway, Spider-Man is now celebrated as a New York's hero whilst him and Pete, uh, while Peter and MJ are happily together. They are stargazing when a meteorite lands a couple of metres away and a black liquid light symbiote attaches itself to Peter's bike. Three movies and he's still got this bike. Meanwhile, Harry has taken over the performance enhancement contract and he becomes the new goblin out to set his revenge on Peter. Following a battle, Harry gets his head injured and then forgets about everything. This is, I wish I was making all this up. Meanwhile, 
Marco Flint escapes prison and stumbles into a nighttime science experiment. Shy surprise. Marco actually killed uh, Uncle Ben and he's now become the Sandman. Spider-Man gets the keys to the city and then he kisses Gwen Stacy, the super hot daughter of the police commissioner. She's fucking forgotten about it, isn't she? Aye. Yeah, bye, Dallas. Bye. <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Bryce. Bye, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> we, one of you, you, you're playing one of the most famous characters, you know, in Spider-Man. Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. This causes MJ to get pissed, understandably. Peter goes after Sandman, whilst the symbiote amplifies Peter's rage, turning his suit black and he never questions it. Stop. Up I'm, I'm going to come back to all of this. Up to this point, I actually thought this was an okay film. <laughs> now, uh, carry on. Peter's obviously filled with rage. Peter struggles to remove the black suit like a drug he's got to fix. Um, at the Daily Bugle, he exposes fellow freelancer Eddie Brock Jr., destroying his <sighs> career. Eddie gets fired. He wants revenge. Shy surprise. Eddie is at the exact same church that Peter is when he takes off the symbiote suit and some of it attaches to Eddie. He becomes Venom. Venom somehow then finds Sandman and collect collectively they set up a team, a squad, to take on Spider-Man. Spider yep. Harry gets his memory back Shy and for surprise. the third time, MJ is captured and is used as bait for the third fight. Now, this movie isn't all bad and it does get a, it does get a lot of stick for being... It's up there. In, it's like 4-2 territory, Iron Man 3 territory as like the the known bad one. But there is some good in it. I'll go for the good first because it's going to be so easy to go into the bad. Yep. Sandman's birth is is brilliant. It is very good. Music the, in it is brilliant as well. Is yeah. it Elfman by the, it's still Elfman by the third Not one. Not Elfman no. by the third one, no. I, there's a beautiful scene where he's obviously, he's merging himself in the sand's form. And that's really cool. I really like that. But then the CGI is kind of ridiculous when he then turns into Hayden, uh, Hayden Thomas Church. Um, but no, that's, I still... I Thomas think, Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. I still think he holds up. I think yeah, I think it's, it's, still it's that up. beautiful score, that 360 camera work where he's kind of learning how to yeah. manifest into the Sandman. That, so, that scene is really good. So, he, you know, he escapes from prison. And the first thing he does is he goes back to see his little daughter. Please mm. don't even bother. He's like, where would he go? I won't go home. Fucking... You hear the sounds in the background, don't you? Which give the impression that he's they're on the way. But he got there on foot before they got there in cars. Sandman's fight in the subway with black suit Spider-Man is he's also pretty good. Yeah. I like the use of water as well, you know, so he can't, you know, he gets soggy. Yeah. Like that. I do, do like that scene when he's like, he figures it out. It's like, well, everyone knows that like water is the common enemy of sand. But it does it, it because the reason why it's so good is because we see a different Spider-Man fighting style, yes. which we're gonna get into is because obviously uh, he's the real killer of Uncle Ben. Peter ripping off the black suit while the bell is ringing is really cool as well. It looks cool, but he's shit. And what I mean by that is, is it a bell? That really annoys me. I know I know it's supposed to be Sonic Sounds, but... No, do you know what? I will give that pass. It's because later, later I hate it. Like, the bell would be quite loud. That's cool, and I really like the image of, like... It's like a black guitar, isn't it? He's ripping it off. It's, it's not a suit. Mm. It's like this splooge all over him, and he's ripping it apart, and it's coming off it bit by bit. And that was going to be my other um, positive as well. The the way that it moves, that the, the you know the symbiote moves, it moves like it, alien. Yeah, yeah it, that that I thought was really cool, and particularly the scene where it molds onto Peter as he's laying down as Spider Man. Seamless kind of the effects in that shot are really really good, and and I think that transition. I think also where it's going, you know, Superman did this. You know, this idea of battling with you know, anger battling with the, you know, the other side of you can't be jolly and good. You know, you can't take a beating. You can't be a hero when half the city doesn't think you're a hero and that not weigh on you somewhat. And it also parallels 
emotions, isn't it, in a teenager? There's, it's no surprise that it's, you know, one point he looks like an emo kid. You know, he's it's, it's supposed to be going through a teenage phase of his life. So I, I don't hate where the third film was trying to go in terms of Peter's character. I think you, you couldn't have him in the third movie still being the bumbling, lovable, it's all right, champ, get back on the horse kind of person. So do you know where... Now, I'm going to play fantasy director. So you had a character... In the second film, J. Jonah Jameson's son has just come back. He's the, do you remember there's a great line in the second one? It's like, he's the first human to play football on Mars. Yeah. That's how you get the symbiote back. It comes on him, and then at the wedding scene, it attaches to Peter Parker, and he has the black suit as he's fighting Doc Ock in the final scene. Because the change is too rapid. What you need is, and I think they played, you, they go for kind of like a puberty thing, he turns emo, when in reality, I think they should have gone like Blade 2 crack addict, like gone, kind of like lashing out in anger, but it should have been a gradual change. So I think this, the problem with 3, and it's the fundamental problem of 3, is there's too much happening in it. There's so mm. much happening. It's like, it's shitting storyline, like like a diarrhea at a writing factory. It won't stop. But the, the issue is as well, is that they, they, they set up the third movie in two previous films, Harry Osborn becoming the villain. Yeah. And, and you no. get that for 10 minutes and then he gets amnesia for oh. an hour and 40 and then he comes back at the end. They'd done the hard work. Like Spider-Man 2, the big praise of it is you've done Spider-Man's origin so we could focus on the villain. We've done Harry Osborn's origin over two movies. Let them now battle it out and, and let that be the, the, the third and final movie of the trilogy. It would have made so much sense. There is a lot of this about the studio and the producers getting involved. They Sam Raimi wanted. didn't want Venom in it. Yeah. No humanity to him. That's what well, he said. He says no humanity. He originally, Ben Kingsley was in talks to do Vulture, was the original. I remember Vulture was supposed to be in it as well. So Sandman and Vulture were supposed to be the two. The producers wanted, and there's, there's two things going around in it. They, they they had in the sights that the third movie would be the last, and so they wanted to give fans Venom, who was a popular um, villain. And villain. Um, and But there's also obviously about the toy line that they wanted the, the Venom toy coming out as well to, you know, with the, with the Spider-Man toys. So there's a lot of, the, of behind the scenes kind of meddling with Sam Raimi's vision in, and you, it really, really comes out to tell. But so I wrote down, so these are all the different storylines going through this two hour movie. MJ and Peter are on the rocks, but he wants to get married. Harry is That's, the new- Are we doing it? But, um, no, I'm just gonna, oh, okay, no, the, 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 these, these are just the themes. So this is everything you need to get in a two hour movie. MJ and Peter are on the rocks, but he wants to get married. Harry's now the goblin, but he gets amnesia. Um, the art we've all waited for finally fails. MJ is in a crisis of, of confidence after she gets fired from her play. Sandman's a good guy, but he's a bad guy with a sick daughter that he's got to get money for. Gwen Stacy rocks the love boat. Eddie Brock Jr. is now on the scene and he's completely unlikable in every scene that he's in and he's challenging Peter for his job. Harry's <laughs> butler knew all along that Spider-Man wasn't at fault and chose the third movie to say something to, to Harry. MJ kisses Harry because he makes a shit omelette. You've got Sp Sandman actually killed Uncle Ben. That's now thrown into the mix, which is the only way to bring Aunt May back into the picture. Venom and Sp Sandman team up somehow by meeting in an alleyway. It just, there's so much you've got to going remember, on. You've got to remember that MySpace was popular at the time and it was really easy to meet villains on MySpace. But that's it. <laughs> if it's, if it, the, Topher Grace becomes Venom and within two minutes finds Sandman. Yeah. And you think, well, Spider-Man's been doing this for five years. How has he, how has he not figured out where he is? It's, this movie was supposed to be two films, so they were trying to find it as a part one and part two, but there was no it's not middle him. There was no middle climax. Was, there was no cliffhanger they could do. 
and it went through terrible, terrible rewrites throughout. A lot of people dropped off. And I know that uh, from reading around it, that the visual effects crew that were in the second film, they didn't sign on to this one and it ended up using about four different special effects teams. And in this, you have wireworks, miniatures, CGI, blue screen, two villains that they had to completely create. Yeah. And that's something that, they, that you've talked about Green Goblin's movements. We've talked about how Doc Ock moves through his arms. He, his feet no, never really touch the ground. In this, you've, you've got to create the Sandman, you know, who... That is a tall order. Like, I mean, the yeah. guy is made of grains of sand that you see, you know. And he's multiple sizes. He does different things. He's, yeah. He looks human one minute, but with a gravelly hand to the next, but he's just a big mound of sand with gravel in it. Yeah. <laughs> just everything. And then you've got Venom going around like a kind of predatory cat. There's a lot of stuff going on. It And, and the... <laughs> Make a note. He's going around like a predatory cat. But he I is. He's, he's no, like... no, 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 I get that. But I think they were going for like Panther, but just in my head, like oh, yeah. back alley, no, no. like Tabby. Yeah. <laughs> just like, mm, I'm going to scratch your eyes. Like, oh. Just, a, you know, alley cat. Yeah. yeah. It's a tall order to pull off all of this and all them themes, all them stories, all them character um, kind of like subplots. And all the special effects. And then and that's really where it also lets it down. It, it was the other two, Age OK, this one, because they digitally render faces on, because a lot of the fight scenes is him without the mask on. And this yeah. time they don't use the wire works with like Kristen Dunst's character, Kristen Dunst's character. You know, they have to impose a artificial CGI face and it just doesn't work. Nope. And the problem is, is that our eyes are trained to see that kind of stuff. Like that, you know, the human eye picks up when something particular. You know, we're trained to look at faces and eyes and stuff. So I when you have patterns, and yeah. Stuff. So when you have a scene where Harry, MJ, and Spider Man are all fighting, but none of them are real, it just doesn't look right. It's uh, it's a mess. There's so much happening. I think the biggest problem is as well is is Sandman's a part one villain. He's there. He's there because we're supposed. To, you're supposed to get the idea that Peter Parker's going through something. He's going through his evil phase, and that's the fight scene. Spider uh, Sandman exists for that, and that's why he disappears then for a majority of the movie, only to show up when when I don't know Venom's having a shit and he's he's, he's mistaken a glitter box for Sandman. He's going, "Oh, sorry, Sandman." I thought that we would have just... been more. <laughs> that would have been better. I mean, Sandman is a good character. He's a good villain. I think he's played really well in this one by Thomas Hayden Church. Oh, he's brilliant. He put on some good signs for it. Yeah. Just and off was, the back of Sideways, which if you haven't seen, is a fucking brilliant I movie. was really happy when he's got cast as it. I was like, yes. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a good character. I, I, I thought it would end like Batman and Robin. You know where Clooney's Batman with Mr. Freeze is like, you're arrested, but we're going to set up a lab from Arkham so you can continue your research nope. to save your wife. Lol, I'm just going to be sandstorm. I, I thought this would be the same where, because he's got this like, he is a bad guy, but he's doing it because his daughter's got this illness and he needs to pay. I thought it was going to end with one of these, look, you're going to do time, but, you know, Harry has the money to be able to, or, or Harry's team, research team, will be able to save your daughter. I mean, it's going to have that kind of resolve, but it doesn't. It just literally just fucks off in the wind at the end of the movie. Yeah, like a fart in the wind. <laughs> like a fart in the wind, the whole, this whole movie. Which also led me to the other point, though, that Sandman can fly, but he can't because he's gliding in the wind, but he can't control where the wind blows him. Yeah, it does. He's, he's, the literal, he's the literal definition of, well... <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go wherever. <laughs> I'll literally go where the wind blows. The ocean, bollocks. <laughs> there is a, there is just so many bits as well. Like it's so chunky. The bit when when he's running away and he's like he falls in the pit, and then the, the scientists are like, "Oh, the weight's changed." He's like, "It's probably just birds." It's like, fuck off. Like it would have stopped everything. But you don't know about scientists, mate. They don't. They don't need like accurate results. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's famously. No, they're famous like yeah. This do. sand has just gone up ninety kilograms. It, it's, it's a bit. What bit? <laughs> <laughs> a fucking huge one. Um, 
I mean, Sandman to me, it, at this point, because I didn't, I'm sick, I was sick of humanity. It was like, so far they've all had a bit of good in them. I wanted, I wanted an actual villain. Now, I, I think we should save Venom for a little bit. Um, what, emo Spider-Man. It was the wrong choice. It's, well, emos were popular at the time. And I do get what they're going. They were going for a change. However, he's walking down the street, clicking his fingers. It, that's not evil. That's Pillock. He should have been going down there the, with a hoodie. The click, the clicking scene, I can get away with in the oh. fact that it, no, no, just because it for, for two reasons. One, okay. it mirrors the second one. So when he's walking down the street and it's like raindrops keep falling yeah. on my head, that's it mirrors that scene. So that's that's okay. And the fact that he's like pointing and clicking and winking to people and no one is entertaining it. They're all like, yeah. "Who's this prick?" That is all right because at least, you know, it's not like he's kissing everyone as he's walking down the street. Everyone's like, this guy's a douche. But I don't think, so the symbiote being on him, I don't think would turn him into that. Surely it would turn him into like aggression. That's not aggressive to me. It's kind of like like, scum, like scumbag-ishness. Now the jazz scene, that go. I can't forgive. Or the bit where he then comes out and dances. No, I did that again, that bit, I, I can... See, to it, me, it would have made more sense if because we've seen we've seen Peter Parker, we've seen Peter Parker. What's the opposite of the Peter Parker we know? A thug. Mm. Like, not the cool, suave one because he's quite witty. Well, he's supposed to be quite witty, Spider-Man. To me, it was the opposite. It was like, it was like crack at. Like, aggressive, just non-syllable, gaunt, you know, deep, dark eyes, just lashing out everything. The scene writes itself where Aunt May's like trying to, like, you're right, and he lashes out it, and that's when he realises he's gone too far. You know, that sort of thing. He's like, you know, the pillars of him. But no, you get a scene where he's like on the phone. He's like, not listening to the person. And Connor's like, don't let any get on you. He's like, go get me some milk for these cookies. It's like, you're just an arsehole. Like, mm. not a good arsehole. You're literally a stinking pit of arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that really was. That to me is worse than a dancing. It's worse than a clicking the fingers. It's the worse than the weird emo fringe. It's when he's like, go get me some milk for these cookies. It's like, that's not badass. Sorry. That's not bad. But it's a twelve. It's a twelve movie. Should have been a smack addict. Uh, yeah, should have been a smack addict. But then again, it, it, it is. It is. It's. It's Toby Maguire's um, Peter Parker trying to act cool and failing miserably, and that yeah. that's what I like about it. Like he he isn't going to the bar in Superman Two or whatever it is with a with a beard and drinking beer. It's drinking milk and having cookies it's, it's whilst super- not listening to his university lecture. Uh, those bits I can kind of get behind and and I don't think you can have the second one and be okay with the second movie when they do the montage scene and not be okay with the third it'd be a bit you know I know that you're doing the same trick twice but it's the jazz cafe scene that doesn't make sense we disagree epically on this the ja- <laughs> what the jazz cafe no no the 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 idea that you accept that I cannot accept it because I just think it's a character choice it's just wrong I don't understand like Venom I'm not saying I like it, I can, but I'm just saying I can see how it would have made the final no, cut. No, no, I'm just... I just can't see okay. how the Jazz Cafe made the final oh, cut. There's what? nothing in that that's redeemable. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, just the final some shade, you know, as he walks in, you're like, oh, and then she sits him right in the middle. That's <laughs> like, not shade. That's not shade. There's the opposite to shade. There's <laughs> a fucking idiot. light above us. <laughs> and then he jumps on the piano and all that rubbish. Yeah. Well, Venom's apparently a musician. <laughs> the symbiote known as Venom loves the piano. Da- just Venom's dyed his hair black and, and look at what happens. I just... Also, I never really understood that. He's on the suit, not actually on... You know, because do you remember when he like lifts up later, he lifts up the... Um, when he's deciding which suit to wear, there's a black suit and the mm. other suit. He's just like, I thought the symbiote was on you, you pillock. No, it's in the suit, isn't it? And he's always wearing the suit. That's... He won't... Because when when MJ says, what are you doing? Yeah, but no, that's... You can I mean, see the suit underneath Yeah, but then his... later he kind of pulls it off and the suit's not there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. I don't want to get into it because it's really bit I don't care about. Um, yeah, so as I really don't like what what everyone now refers to as the emo phase. Perfectly summed up when he, you know, uh, he, he hits her, doesn't he? He accidentally well, hits her. Well, he MJ. accidentally does, yeah, yeah. And then realises it's too much. I think that's too on the nose. I think it would have made more sense if it was... Because the grounding reality of him, the only thing that's left of like his parents and his family is Aunt May. So I think I think this film lacks a clinical amount of Aunt May. Aunt May's barely in this film. That's the grounder. If you didn't have the discovery that Uncle Ben was killed by Saman, she won't be in it. She won't be in it. There'll be yeah. no need for it to be in it. So and and that comes out of fucking nowhere. So, but it does now. He loses a suit in a scene that's pretty cool. Now I. You've talked me into this. I've really always hated the idea of a bell because I'm like, oh, this alien species defeated really by a bell, a church bell. However, it's an epic scene where he's throwing himself off. However, scumbag number one, I, we're not supposed to like Eddie Brock at all mm. because he's literally underneath, directly underneath the tower and he's asking God to kill Peter Parker because Peter Parker told J.J. Anna Jameson that he'd fake some photos. So he's okay with that. I, I don't get it. It's like, oh my God, I did something wrong. Kill Peter Parker. If a villain's supposed to be good, you know, a good villain wouldn't. Oh, I just fucking hate Eddie Rock. I really hate, and this is so bad that I actually don't like Topher Grace, and I know it's not his fault. I yeah, know it's not. But every time I see him, I just go, "Wow." And Topher, Topher Grace didn't want to play because he was he was asked to play uh, the character. Yeah, and there is an interview with Topher Grace where he's, before the film even came out, where he was like, "I know I'm not." Topher Grace, I think, was well aware of what could happen if he didn't meet the expectations of fans. There's yeah. a, there's an interview before the movie comes out where he's like, yeah. I was asked to do this. And my first reaction was Eddie Brock is a 35 year old, you know, muscular bloke. I am not that. But Sam Raimi kind of talked me around and said, he's going to do something special. And so I feel really bad for Topher Grace because I think when Topher Grace is in movies, he, and I was a fan of that 70s show, I think, I think he's really good. And, and it's, it's unfair that he's unfair, but it has, I think it's stuck around his career. Oh, it massively has. It, I think, I, and I can't think of a role that people have then seen. And you kind of turn off and you go, fucking Topher Grace. <laughs> Ruined yeah. Spider Man. I mean, when he was in he was in Black Klansman as the head of the KKK and he Still. played Venom, we, I think the public hate him for Venom more. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. <laughs> yes. He played David Duke at the KKK. Yeah. It's like, no, he played fucking Venom. Venom. Fuck I can't believe he played Eddie Brock Jr., which he keeps saying Jr. all the way through it. He, th- th- that, that, that's the, this is where I struggle because. The characters, so well written in one and two. Then in comes Eddie Brock and, and Gwen Stacy, to be fair. And it's like, how stereotyped do you want me to be? Do you want the person on the back row to know that I'm a potential love interest and a threat to MJ? Do you want everyone to know that I'm going to be the bad guy from the moment I walk on scene? Right, I've got it. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. There's one, There's so the Gwen Stacy casting is brilliant. However, Gwen Stacy's only in it for three scenes. And her father, they make a big deal about it. He's, James Cromwell's in it for a scene. Two scenes, isn't he? Oh, is it two? He turns, turns up outside the building and he turns up to give the speech to Aunt May. Fucking hell. I know. He's finished raising pigs, eh? And now look where he is. So um, I, it's fair to say this is a cluster film. Now let's go to the the big the big arc. The huge arc that we've been building up. It's best friend against best friend. We have waited two films for this. And I don't know about you, it's been pickled beautifully. Mm. It's ready. The fire's roaring. We're going into this third film. Starts off hot. They're having a fight. First impressions of the Hobgoblin, because I believe Green Goblin's the father and Hobgoblin might be the second one. They never call him Hobgoblin, though, they? Don't, do they? But they I... say you're the new Goblin a yeah. few times, but I think it's supposed to be Hobgoblin, yeah. So he's decided to, 2000s is up, mate. The glider's gone, in with the snowboard. Yeah. The, the mask, gone now with some sort of faceless thing. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say the glider. No, not my not my skin. I don't understand how you snowboard through air. <laughs> you have to show me that one. I think I think the it feels like the I, I mean I don't know the source material. Hob, Hobgoblin may have had a snowboard. I don't know. <laughs> he might have. I don't think he did. It, it's it's it almost feels like it was written in just so they could do the narrow. Um, yeah. narrow chase scene through the alleyways which you think how long is that fucking alleyway yeah it's New York mate yeah. famous for it's never ending alleyways um, so that the- bit as well where he drops the ring and he gets beaten across town and he comes back and catches it before it's the ground how hard would it have been to find that ring well for Spider-Man tingles mate meteorites no didn't know it was a meteorite yeah <laughs> <laughs> now if that meteorite had a ring in it mate you'd be fucking all over it mm. um, I still think that that chasing is okay there's some really bad graphics but there's a scene where Spider-Man's on a bit of rubble that's falling to the ground rotating and he like a spider is, is yeah. rotating around and I, st- I was like oh, I forgot that looks cool but that is a scene where he's trying to find a ring that is the forever falling I think it still mm. might be falling <laughs> um, and then the huge thing is he gets knocked on the head Amnesia, the storyline that you've built up for two the films biggest now, fucking cop out. done. The biggest cop out in writing is cop out. Is Amnesia? It's the easiest miracle cure to any fucking hole that they write themselves into. So now that's insert Sandman. So now Peter Parker's got a friendship now. So he's now friends again with Harry. Oh, but it allows. But this why I don't understand as well. So Spider Man's in his third year. Spider-Man's love to have a Spider-Man appreciation day. He is actually now excelling. You know, he's doing well at everything. He's learned after the difficult second year how to manage his time. You know, New York loves him. He's under no obligations. It's MJ now that's failing. You know, her voice isn't powerful enough to get over the first row. Her relationship's on the rocks with MJ. Now Harry, uh, sorry, with uh, Peter, he wants to marry her. It's like she's having second thoughts. Her career's spiraling down and he's on the high. So they're at two different places in their life. And it's difficult for them to you know, connect. Yeah, it's one, 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 she's earned, she's earned it, she's put the graft in, he just, he was bitten, you know, and, and yeah. it, I like that as well, that he hasn't earned Spider-Man, he was just the person at the time. So I like that, that narrative. One is on the way up, one's on the way down. And now, Harry's back in the picture because he's got amnesia, thus allowing him to play on a flirtatious love triangle that hasn't existed since the first film. Maybe if you'd hinted it in the second film and carried on, it just comes back at the third one. But it doesn't really matter because shy surprise before anything happens, they have a kiss and then that somehow reignites this fucking amnesia and it's like, oh, I remember everything now. Mm. Oh, it's really badly written. Just when the, just when Sandman's disappeared for a while and we've got no villains because uh, Spider-Man's the, the black Spider-Man now, we've got no villains, ups, ups now, non-amnesiac Hobgoblin. And I don't understand this. He, manip- he blackmails MJ to tell Peter that she's leaving him. Mm. then admits this plan straight away to him. He's like, yeah, I've planned it all. I, I don't get it. I don't it's, understand his well, end game. The, the, problem, the problem with this is, is that he has, the, he has the hallucination of his dad. And his dad's like, you need to go for the heart. And my first reaction would have been, how did that work out for you, dad? Because <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you got stuffed in the dick. What? Like, <laughs> like, I don't want to get stuffed in the dick. So I'm going to do things my way. And, and you're right. I mean, if he truly wanted to kill Peter Parker in Spider-Man, he had so many chances. Yeah. He could have fucking Abe lincoln it in the theatre. <laughs> he just walked up behind him and shot him. I love the fact that he's just, he spent an entire performance just stood above him, just sneering at him. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's gone, what are you looking at? Because you only looked <laughs> yeah. at the stage once. Um, yeah. But I, what I love about this, what I absolutely love about this, and this is actually something that I, I'm on side, is they have a fight and he loses because, you know, 
Peter Parker's not playing by the rules because he's venomized. You know, he's cool now. He's clicking his fingers. He's throwing knives. And uh, he beats up Harry quite brutally at some point. Again, yeah, yeah. And I quite liked that fight. So he thought it was pretty cool. Um, and he's walking away and Harry throws a grenade at him. Dirty and, move. And it's a dirty move. And Spider-Man grabs it and throws it back to him. Luckily, not one of them disintegrating yeah, exactly. skeleton ones yeah, from the first just, movie. Just one of those ones that if exposed near you, burns your face slightly. Yeah. <laughs> like massive come down. Next time you see Harry, um, so this is when, so he disappears for a, disappears for a bit. Um, and then we've got, he loses his suit. And now because we're, we're going through storylines, we're jumping across the timelines here. So now Spider-Man needs some help for the big final scene. Goes to see Harry. Sees Harry's face is, you know, badly damaged. And Harry says, you did this to me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold the, hold the phone here, fella. Didn't you throw the fucking grenade at him? Didn't you try to kill him and him throwing it back at you slightly burning your face? I think you might be to blame Harry. I'm not on Harry's side for this. He's blaming him for his burn marks. He was like, well, you did try to kill him at least three times during this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Dick move. Yeah, I, I, th- that that whole bit don't don't really sit too well. I, I do like the the idea. Of the I mean, the, you know, the end that they, they kind of join sides, and it gives you this you hint like of that. gives you this hint of like what Spider Man would be like with an with an ally, and how much fun that would be. And there are there are some good scenes of them both riding the hoverboard thing, and like using it to their advantage. And and I, I like, like the like, idea that the only way that you have to resolve this movie is two villains. You need two heroes to face the two. And what about? I'd really like this bit where at the end when they've teamed up. He rides, he turns, uh, Sandman tries to grab him he, with the flames of the fucking snowboard. Mm. Turns his arms glass. I really like that. I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah, I like I, that. I, I, thought that, I, I, I like, I like, I like Sandman at the end of this movie as this kind of weird Hulk-like yeah, just abomination yeah. at the bottom of this scaffolding. I really liked it. I was genuinely quite having fun. I, I uh, not, uh, parts of their storyline, I was going to say, I was quite fun. Could have done without the amnesia bit, but I still think there's a good storyline here, but it is ruined why the biggest villain of the piece, get the Venom, mate, because it's just, I don't get it. So the problem with Venom is there's a lot of huge fans. You and I both know one. Mm. They came out of that cinema screaming. I went to watch this with our mutual friend who is a huge Venom fan and I I could sense his disappointment through the whole film. He's not Venom. He's wrong. This is why. He just takes his mask off every time he wants to talk. There's no character there. It's just Eddie Brock. But what, what we've seen... Eddie Brock in a church asking God to kill him. He hasn't changed. He's just got powers now. So the symbiote isn't even a character. It's just a way of Eddie Brock being able to be himself. There's no character here. There's, there's literally nothing. All you've got is scumbag Eddie Brock Jr. being a scumbag. But now he has the powers of kind of like Spider-Man. He's not bulky. He looks awful. The CGI is crap. He spends the entire time with no mask on. He's supposed to be scary, kidnaps Mary Jane, leaves a message, leaves a message in like a massive skylight, not just like Spider-Man. It's like, hey, Spider-Man, what are you up to? Maybe you should come. It's not really long. It's like, mm. make it concise. <laughs> yeah, just a massive disappointment here, Venom. And I'm not a huge Venom fan, but even I was disappointed. I think that is the nail in the coffin, isn't it? I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight on the third movie. Very, very rarely does the third movie ever, you know, yeah, withstand the first or the second it's particularly difficult when the first and second have been so good. It was, I think it was always kind of somewhat doomed to fail. The, I think Venom is, is the, the biggest problem with the movie, but it seems to have gone out its way to create loads of problems. Yeah. I, it, it's one of, it's one of them things that I think, you know, Sam Raimi now has, has looked back on it and you know, I think in interviews has said it was a mess and that his heart wasn't in it. And any movie where the director doesn't believe in the characters won't fool an audience. And you know, and I think that is being kind. I, I think 
I think it's a, it's one on one mistake. It's just so much unnecessary shit. And you had a home run. You had your third film set up, ready to go. Yeah. The most natural progression for this film would have been Harry being the main villain. You could have continued the love triangle bit. You know, you could have kept all of that maybe, stuff going. Maybe you could have kept Sandman in it as well, just so that they had a common enemy. Yeah, you, or, you could you could have had that. And, and Sandman is a cool character. Don't get me wrong. And he, and you're right. Sandman isn't worthy enough of to be the main villain. Yeah. So but I think they got that in, right. How he's written in this film. Because all, he's not evil. He's a good guy. So why would you want to see him get his comeuppance at the end? You wouldn't, would you? Yeah, I mean, Sandman would have been better if, if, if like you say, Oz, if Harry had the cure for his daughter and was using Sandman as like as a henchman and saying, yeah. when Spider-Man's dead, um, I'll give you the cure. And at the end of the movie, he gets that cure. When Spider-Man realises he's not a villain, he was just doing all that for that time. All this right... The problem is as well, when you start changing the first movie, saying Walker Ben actually died this way, which actually that scene is really good because what you see is, yes. you see one version of it where in Peter's mind, you know- To um, shoot him. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church is this villain, cackling as he does it. And then when he tells the stories like that wasn't it at all, I would never wanted to hurt him. I was just scared and I needed money. But but and do you know what? They do rick on it that Uncle Ben was doing an Uncle Ben thing. Should yeah. I talk him out of it? Yeah, he was like, son, you don't need to do this, you know. And, and, and that's an Uncle Ben thing. Yeah. And he um unfortunately died shortly after this movie as well. This was his last on screen uh, performance. Oh, sad. Um so this um I there, there, there are bits in there that you're like, yeah, actually that that was good, but you just didn't need it. It's like can imagine if in like Batman Forever, mm. um, you know, Poison Ivy was like, "No, I killed your parents, Bruce." Undoing the Jack Nicholson storyline, and it, it would you'd be like, "No, you've I fucking bought why I bought tickets to a film where I saw who did that." Yeah, don't fucking change it now. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, the third movie is riddled with issues. I, don't get me wrong. Spike, everyone's like, oh, it's, a, it's a it's a terrible movie. It it's not I'm- Doom. I think it's quite watchable up until 25 minutes in. I, yeah. I, I think it starts off quite well. I like the idea that Spider-Man has gone full circle and is now brilliant and his life's great and everyone else's life around him has suffered. Mm. It's a good mirror from the second one where everyone's gone on with their lives and he's bollocks. I quite like it. I can You can tell the bits that Sam Raimi wanted to do. They're the first 20 minutes. There's a bit in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of it was just bullshit. But that said, do you know what? Still shot quite well. Music still kind of works. I know they. You said the special effects went through quite a lot, but but the Sandman worked. Venom's Venom parts of Venom looked okay. I do. I like the way. Do you remember at the end when he encases him in the rods and he starts making sonic noises and the way the suit uh, kind of comes off him mm. like it's fighting for itself. That still looked epically great. And I like I said. Um, do you know what? He's, you're right. It's not that bad. The redeemable parts are actually okay. The problem is it's a two-hour movie and it feels like a four-hour movie smushed into one. Yeah. It, it's a shame. It, I think the reason why it feels so bad is because the first two are so good. Yeah, especially and, that second one. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, any Venom fan listening to this will be pulling their hair out because it does not do justice to... It's like when I look back at like Punisher movies and yeah. I think, oh, I really want them to be a lot better than they actually are. <laughs> this, I suppose, is the same with Venom. I, I think there's enough good. As I said, I think I slipped it in a moment ago. It's not Doom. Doom is like the bottom of the barrel. And, and you know, so at least Spider-Man 3 has bits. It has beauty with Sandman's character and, and his birth. It has interesting um, scenes with Harry and um, and Peter. It has the whole love triangle thing. Bruce Campbell's having loads of fun in this movie. I just think he exists for these films. It was so much fun, that, that bit, isn't it? So the fourth movie that we never got which was supposed to come out. Um, so a lot of people said that Raimi only signed on to three. What, so what happened here was Raimi was then in the front running to do the Lord of the Rings films. Oh. So couldn't 
commit to doing the fourth movie and then it outran its time and then Sony decided to reboot. But there were the plans to bring in um, Vulture that they wanted to bring in in the in this movie, in the third one, but then the studio got in the way and said to bring in Venom. We were finally going to get Dr. Connors becoming Lizard. Finally. In that one, which Two films you must be gutted, weren't you? If you were, um, what is his name? I can't remember, but he's everyone's favourite like, background character. He did such a good job as well. Doesn't his arm regrow in the third one though? Because I'm sure in the second one he's got one arm and in the third one he might have two arms. No, he, he definitely still yeah, has got It's uh, Dylan Baker, isn't he? He's like, that promise of you will be a villain in one of these movies. Okay, yeah, it never I'll, happens. I'll stick around. And then the, then the next reboot, the first villain is fucking <laughs> Lizard. You're like, no! We're like, um, so yeah, they, they, and they were supposed to bring in Black Cat um, and there was a, an idea that Bruce Campbell was going to become Mysterio. No, I did hear that one. Yes, I always heard that he was always supposed to be Mysterio. That might be the greatest movie we never got. Again, it sounds, it sounds bloated, mate. There's an awful lot of bloat. The problem is, the, the problem is, right, if you look at all superhero films, all of them up and around that era, Spider-Man 2, 1 and 2, they're very good. There's one villain, there's one main focus. Do you remember Batman? Batman the first one was just the Joker. It makes sense. In the second one, they get away with it kind of with Catwoman, but she's not she's really an villain. anti-hero villain, then yeah. in the third one, Forever, they had two villains. In this one, they went from good, focus, Doc Ock, great, Alfred Molina, smashing it out of the park, to this one. You don't you don't know where you are. There's so many villains. Mm. Technically, Spider-Man's a villain at one point in this film. There's, there's essentially four villains in this movie. At one point in this film, there's four villains, and there's no hero. <laughs> <laughs> so... Maybe, yeah, that, that that's... I think you're right. The Batman is the best example of that. And when you think of Dark Knight when they bring in Two-Face, he doesn't yeah. really last that long. He that doesn't. always surprises me that he didn't carry on to be the villain in the third movie, which you would think, well, that's where it but it completely makes sense yeah. that he dies and that it, what, what happens from it as, as a result. Um, but you're right, too many cooks in, in, in the third movie. It does seem that trait, doesn't it? Like the third movie, you have to go all out. I think it's because we live in a world where there's three, well, we used to live in a world where it's three films and done. And once you've got the, you do the origin story. So you always do like the classic one, you know, like the Joker or mm. the Green Goblin. Then you do like a favourite. And then the third one, you go, well, we've only got one film left. Who's the favourites? Who are the ones that the fans actually want? Venom, obviously yeah. a big one. Um, I still think the Sandman was, was such a weird choice, but I'm, I can't believe it still holds up. Yeah, it does. I, I, I think, I think Sandman. There's enough interesting in there as a sub-villain, a henchman villain yeah. that could be manipulated by someone pulling the strings. Why, why, like an Osborn, mm. not a Venom? Yeah. <laughs> so we, we're going to call it there. We're going to come to the end of the episode. But it is worth saying, obviously, that there's the Andy Garfield ones that then picked up shortly afterwards, which I'm still a fan of. I still enjoyed them two movies. I don't think the second one with uh, Jerry Fox deserved the shit it got, which caused the franchise to get dropped. I ah. actually thought the first, I thought the two movies were fine. It was no worse than Spider-Man 3. Oh, I, I don't like him. I thought Andy Garfield was great. I, I thought the bad guys were awful. Yeah, I, I don't get me wrong. Not, Paul not, GMI showing up as the run. No, yeah, yeah, I, did, I, did, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't like that bit. And I did like, there was a lot of like, going to the subway. Oh, it's a lab. <laughs> but that, 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 was, that was a Spider-Man film where I was not interested in Spider-Man. I was like, oh, I just, I want to hear him and Gwen. That's all mm. I wanted. I was like, as soon as he put on the Spider-Man, so I was like, I couldn't give a toss. Yeah. We, of course, have the Tom Holland ones and we have the absolutely amazing um, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, which there's a sequel. So it's it's huge, you know, and, and hopefully they do all come together in the multiverse in the next installment, which if you haven't seen Loki, that season finale, mate, is just so well leading us to that movie um, with the whole multiverse kind of stuff. So do watch Loki. That's the that's what I'm going to take. So watch Spider Man, Spider Man Two, and then watch the Loki series. Okay, that's that's the listeners' <laughs> advice. Um, that's our show for this week. Oh.
It was, it was good. It was good. It was nice talking to one of your favorites, one of your court heroes. He is, yeah, yeah. I still think he's probably my favorite superhero. I think. Yeah, I think I, he's quibs. Mm. He's the best quibber, mate. I still, I still think of the three of them, and I don't want to like this. I think Tom Holland's nailed all aspects of it brilliantly, but I think it's easier to do. See, I think I there's think a he- lot of lessons learned. Uh, yeah, I yeah, so they could really focus on the Tom Holland. I think one. I think the best nerd, obviously, Tobey Maguire. One the best quibber is Garfield, and then I just think the best all rounder is Holland. So I just Maybe think right. I just think each one of them brings like a certain unique greatness to the mm. role, and it's a Spider Man. So you will always have a Spider Man film. Yeah, I mean the real the real hero is Nick Cage's Spider Man Noir, but yeah. that's that's for another day. Um, if I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night, goodbye. Meet. I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. Best I can do. Get out of here. Bring me more photos.